Curse you, Madeline Pryor. Remove this demon sickness from my nose and throat and chest. How dare you blame Madeline Pryor for uh, your sickness? You know, it's the Goblin Queen version. It's got to be. It's, mm, I don't know. Could just be overdoing it. <laughs> Welcome to the XY Podcast. I'm Alicia. Me, 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 me. Ah! <laughs> I'm Justin. Yay! <laughs> that was super rude. Yeah! Y'all were sick. We are sick. Um, it's Sunday afternoon, and it's because we were hoping we'd be better. We've been sick since... I've been sick since Wednesday night. Yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, it's not COVID. It's not COVID. Been testing. We took so many COVID tests. Just to be sure, but it's definitely not fun. <laughs> it's something, and we've both got it, but I am a little bit more on the ups than Justin is, but we couldn't put off recording any longer. I'm on the downs. So we're here, and we're going to do, you know, we always say this, we're going to do high level, more high level today. We'll see what happens. However, we do have a boatload of comics to get through. What are they, Alicia? Today we've got for our Digi... We have X-Men Unlimited number 105, and then a boatload of Tangies, as I said before. Contest of Chaos, X-Men number one. Predator versus Wolverine, number one. Alpha Flight, number two. Uncanny Avengers, number two. Wolverine, and now The Hulk, number 37. Uncanny Spider-Man, number one, yeah. and Dark X-Men, number two. Yeah. Just a few. Just a few. Just a big old stack. You know what else we have a big stack of? News. News items? News, 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 news. news. Now, we've talked about it on the live that we did the other day. We've talked about it on the Patreon, but as we sit here a week later, let us reflect on the wonderful things that were the Uncanny Experience. The Uncanny Experience was an event that I think I will remember for the rest of my life. Um, it was so full of like love and support and excitement and the immersive nature of it and the people who were just so willing and ready to dig in and and embrace the idea that they were in mutant school was so cool to see and like like you said it's been a week and the outpouring of love and excitement about the event on social media has just continued and i'm really excited to see what happens the other night um last night i believe yesterday afternoon ish there was a live with the creators of the uncanny experience and they they said there will be a year two the details are to come, so if you're interested in knowing more about what's happening with the Uncanny Experience for a year two, make sure you go to their website and subscribe to their newsletter because that's where all the important information comes in. Well, that was actually a question from Barusu33, shouting out your Celine and Kate cosplays Thank being freaking hellfire. Also <laughs> wondering, is this an annual or one-time event? Well, what they were saying on the live was that the first year would be known as freshman year and year two would be sophomore year. And if you hadn't come the first year, you'd have to still enroll as a freshman. But that makes me think they're going to keep going with it for how many years? TBD. But there will definitely be an uncanny experience next year. And at the end of four years, we get a fake diploma like normally you do at Xavier's school. Well, you get a fake diploma slash a real diploma of some sort 
from Chris Claremont at the end of each year. So, you know, I had a fun time. I had a really good time. I was working as kind of staff help on the first day, but then got to teach my first class, Intergalactic Social Studies of the Shi'ar Empire, which was just a a beast to get into and to dive through all the research, but I feel like has left me with a new appreciation for what's out there and the mysterious wonders of space. And I mean, there's been a lot of really great feedback on both of our classes. We did a Krakoan era panel and we had um, many more slides than we got through. Because uh, halfway through. We really embraced the uh, class participation, the discussion element of the panel and there were just so many wonderful things said that like we just didn't have time to get through everything that that we had prepared yeah my day two i was professor madrox so working again for the faculty i wasn't even i wasn't even a student at xavier's i was working i don't know i mean i thought kitty was supposed to be a student but then many people called me professor pride that's true and i know that there was a time when she was a professor and then the Hellfire Club initiation, that was a whole other thing. Yeah, that was after hours. That I, was extracurriculars. As we used to say in in college when we were doing a certain show, and then we would want to make it spicy, or we would take like a little joke, and we would be like, that's for the night show. That's for the late night show. But yeah, that was really fun, and got to co-queen with Vanessa the Phoenix, so that was a good time. Jason made an appearance. Jason Wingard, confused as Shaw by a couple people. Mm. But uh, once I actually said, they were like, oh, yeah, no, I see it. I get it. That was just I me. I get it. <laughs> I, the mutton chops give it away. But yeah, that was fun. I got to do a burlesque performance and there was a live cellist. So overall, the uncanny experience. I mean, I could probably talk to you all about it for like two hours, but we are doing high level. So if you want to hear more details about the experience, check out our Patreon episode. Fall of the House of X, Rise of the Powers of Ten, Resurrection of Magneto, the triple threat of titles announced this week. What? I just, I don't... The final battle of Krakoa is coming. I'm gonna be, like, the worst person. Nobody's gonna like me anymore because I'm so anti the resurrection of Magneto. Like, I know everyone, you even were like, oh, no, don't bring Magneto back. And then as soon as this title came out, you're like, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, mean, I, I dropped do, it immediately. And I, I was like, yes, let's go. I do think it's going to be like a good title. And I know it's going to be epic. And it's going to be so, like, satisfying and victorious and all of that. But I still think, I still have my feelings about the fact that he did not want to be resurrected. We need him. You're going to be mad for multiple reasons. The fact that we all messed it up. I'm curious what the fall of House of X means. I'm curious what the rise of the powers of X or 10. A.M. Friedrich, Adam was wondering if the rise of the powers of X refers to the different groups of mutants left at the end of the fall, like world powers. Mm. Maybe the fall ends with these groups still in factions. Interesting. Which is interesting because like, the House of X being the unifier of Krakoa, bringing everyone to one table, I don't know that we'll get that again. Right. Even if we did, I don't know what would pull all those different subgroups together in some unified way. I don't know. Yeah, it should be interesting and very exciting. The wedding of Emma and Tony. Ugh, They're, good gravy. Had to, had to bring this up. Is an interview with Jerry talking about Phalong as a match in the boardroom and battlefield for Tony Stark. 
coming from his other work and just mm. being able to weave into this. I think the fact that this wedding is all Fei Long's fault is just another reason to hate Fei Long. Sure. But let's be clear, it's actually the wedding of Tony Stark and Hazel Kendall. Sure, yeah, but that's a fake name, and it's not on anybody's birth certificate. And it's a fake wedding, so... Nah, it doesn't seem like it. It like there's going to actually be a ceremony and an exchange of rings. Okay, but we're going we're gonna to reveal proposal. that it's Emma? Like, no, it's going to be Hazel. He's going to be marrying Hazel. I don't know. The solicitation says Orcus Raid to follow, so it sounds like there's going to be something else happening with it. We'll see. The pitch for the series was basically Armor Wars 3 with Sentinels using Stark tech, which I thought was really interesting in this interview that I was reading. Cool, cool, cool. Speaking about articles on Marvel.com, meet the Mutant Liberation Front, a history of the MLF from their origins with Strife and assembling this ragtag team of mutant murderers all the way to their current incarnation. Wow. Rom and the X-Men. Do you know who Rom Space Knight is? No, not even a little bit. It's a Hasbro property that was made into a comic run. So a toy that was made into a comic run, actually really common back in the 80s. Marvel hasn't been able to reprint them because they didn't own the rights. Until now. Until now. They have agreed and shared these rights. So this publication, I think, comes out in a couple months, will collect four classic stories from the 1979 run of Rom Space Knight. Mm. where he interacts with the X-Men. I'm excited to read it. Yeah, that sounds cool. I've never checked them out. Speaking about Hasbro, Hascon was this Friday. Ah, uh, yes. Kind of a letdown for indeed, X-Men fans, personally. it was. But a tease for an upcoming item. One of the three points that they say, hey, you guys can choose which one you want revealed. The one that Dwight then hinted at being tied to X-Men fans, mm. a figure that was only released as a swappable head previously. Now, my gut said Lalandra because that was just a head added in, I think, to the Gladiator figure or mm. no, the Mystique figure. But it could also be the Reaver Grunts because oh. that head was added in with Skullbuster. Mm. I mean, I feel like Lalandra would be more satisfying. Absolutely, but also they've been completing the Reaver team. Mm. So the fact that Bonebreaker was a Build-A-Figure recently mm-hmm. and Pretty Boy was in that five-pack. Pretty Boy. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Or both. Just give us both. No, it's not going to be both. Fall of X Declassified, the interview series, now talking about Uncanny Spider-Man. The amount that Kurt has gone through, but also trying to make it new reader-friendly and fun, avoiding the details with it by bamfing into the street-level heroics. I thought it was an interesting detail that you really get. He's not trying to get bogged down. or He's basically running from the trauma that right. is everything that's coming on. Let but me just distract myself with other petty crimes. But he's still, it's still carrying on in his head. You still mm-hmm. see that weight in the issue, this mysterious bamf and what's going on with that, along with setting up, X-Men Blue Origins, which falls between issues four and five. It will solve the mystery of what happened to Mystique after the gala. Dun, dun, dun. We got a couple other articles spinning out of Uncanny Spider-Man. The Hope Sword article, because people reading this issue for the first time are like, what is this? What is that? 
the one panel of Nightcrawler, like, oh, actually, it's a, you know, pulled from the essence of my soul from my terrible mother mm-hmm. in coats with Orcus. It's a little less glossed over than that to actually give <laughs> you the inside scoop if you have questions. Another article that you might be interested in. Me? Because you were curious at the end of the issue, who is Silver Sable? Oh, yeah. I was like, that's a character definitely people know because yeah. they get a splash page. So Her that's name is a Silver, big reveal. Her name is Silver Sable. but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, she's an ally of Spider-Man normally, but also works as a mercenary and the leader of the Wild Pack. Oh. Speaking of Lalandra, the figure for Silver Sable is who I used to complete my Lalandra. Oh, interesting. I bought a second Look one. Look at all that. Coming full circle. Aha, that's how I write the news. <laughs> Albert, a Dark X-Men robot Wolverine article. Mm. Diving into the details of Albert, where he comes from. Who is LCD? Yes. And, and why should we be concerned? I would. I could probably benefit from reading that article. A lot of these, yes. <laughs> I like to be surprised. Sure, surprise, but then also context to fill in the surprise and curiosity. That's why I bring them up. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you everything that's happening. Just a little, little bits. Little bits. Little bits. Hey, we got personal news. Personal news. I got two bits of personal news. Wow. The first is that uh, Monday, tomorrow, in this current moment, I have an appointment to move forward with my surgical plan for my hip. So... You know, cortisone shot didn't really work. Um, And now we're going to move forward to surgery. So it was cool that they could get me an appointment that quickly. So Monday, I'll hopefully have a better idea of what the next six months to the year of my life might look like. Um, And then on a more fun note, I started working on the creations for New York Comic Con cosplay. And I made my very own little Octo from Something's Killing the Children yesterday. And I'm so obsessed with him. He's so cute. I put a reel of it on my Instagram. And so many people have been like, I need one of those. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I'm going into bulk uh, you know, manufacturing quite yet, but maybe one day. I mean, if the price is right, <laughs> you could do that while you're laying down. Yeah, that's sitting true. Down, you know? I could. You'll but be... I did have to use a sewing machine, and, and I don't know about pressing on the pedal right now. Sure. Or after surgery. We'll see. But those that's my bits, personal news. Your bits. I went on my first, in a very long time, Marvel Legends hunt. Oh, yeah. Uh I got to tell you, so it's been a while since I've done this, probably since like the beginning of 2020, as I was thinking about it, I was searching for Red Hulk ever since then. And even before then, I've done old man hunting. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm online, I'm pre-ordering, I'm trying to get it in. I'm not trying to... Old dr- man hunting. You know, I'm not trying to drive around all day, waste my gas and my time, but I want them figures, damn it. What was exciting was... Target has put all of their Marvel Legends stock on clearance. So that's most crazy. of it's ringing up for half price. The only that's one that I crazy. got The only one that I got was the Rose. Ah. So Kingpin's Son, which was on the list that I wanted from this wave, but not in the top three. I got the other three that I wanted, Miles and Chasm and Daredevil Electra. Mm. But this one was very excited to find. I only went to one other Target. There was nothing there that I could get or wanted. There was a Black Widow box that had been stripped of the actual figure. Oh, why do people do that? That's so terrible. Yep, yep, yep. Especially when it's half off. You right. could have just bought it for 15 bucks. And the the high and then low that I felt after finding it because it was <laughs> sitting there, 
And then I had to, sitting in the parking lot, I had to talk myself out of driving 25 minutes to the next target to continue. Because I knew that it would just take over the rest of my night and the sickness was already starting to kick in. I mean, that would be my other bit of news is that Mm. I go, I oscillate between highs and lows of like energy and then I need to lie down. I need to lie down. And it is currently we're at energy. And we'll see how long it goes. That's why we're doing higher level. Remember, Alicia mm. and Justin, higher level. A pole. A pole. Now, I had to do something different with the pole this week. Right. Because there are only four options to put in. Mm-hmm. We have five books. Indeed we do. So I put out a preliminary vote. Knowing that we were sick, we weren't going to record on time. I said, like, okay. Like, we all agree that Dark X-Men won the poll, right? Or would have if there were five slots. And the vote on that, do you know what it was? Would you wager a guess? The two options being it's a poll for second place or Dark X-Men didn't win. Dark X-Men didn't win. You didn't. You would vote for Dark X-Men didn't win. That's what I would vote for. What did the people say is what I'm asking. The people said Dark X-Men didn't win. No, they, they said it's a poll for if, second place. If the people said that, then the poll would have been changed afterwards. Like I don't look at the poll. I try not to look at it at all so that I don't get uh. any any information. So I guess the people said that Dark X-Men won. The people did say that Dark X-Men won by 75%. So, all right. Yeah, well, 71% and to 29%. And I followed up with people to see what their top picks were. And it was across the board different issues. Uncanny Spider-Man was the top Mm -hmm. response from people as like, okay, that was their favorite book instead. Uh, What was the poll results from the remaining four? So the remaining four would be Alpha Flight, Uncanny Avengers, Wolverine and the Hulk, and Uncanny Spider-Man. Yes. Well, the way that you set that up makes me feel like it's not Uncanny Spider-Man. But that's my that's my choice it, for the winner. That Uncanny is the winner. Spider-Man. Yeah. Why? Well, because you were like, well, a lot of people said Uncanny Spider-Man. But what do you think the poll results are? Oh, no. I basically telegraphed the answer. But what's the percentage? Um, Four entries. Keep that in mind. 47%. 46. That's right. Pow, pow, pow. What got second or technically third? What got... Mm, Uncanny Avengers. Yeah, 31%. Wolverine with 17%. And Alpha Flight with 6 What was your top book? Uncanny... Nope, just kidding. Yes, Uncanny Spider-Man. I take it back. I said, meh, meh, meh to this book. I said, poo, poo, poo to you, Nightcrawler Spider-Man. And I, I loved, loved it. that issue it was funny it had spider-man vibes it had like awkwardness of nightcrawler trying to be spider-man vibes it had reveals that i was like yeah about it Mm. honestly yeah i was my book of the week i reread them this morning and i don't know if dark x-men was actually my book of the week either i i think that it was carrying the high of issue one Mm. but this was such a solid issue one for uncanny spider-man it was that took Everything that Sai has been working on over the past couple of years mixed it up, but also made it reader friendly to not get bogged down by all the details. Yes. All right. That's our news. That's our general questions. I mean, Captain Two Michael actually did shout out the fact that we're getting a new Jeff series, which he oh. actually called that we needed a, a pet heroes book. Oh, right. He yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. You want to talk about X Men Unlimited? Let's talk about it. Juggernaut in the final of our. Pre-gala, post-gala 
Yeah, so as we kind of were mentioning in our last episode, it seemed like every issue as we go through the winners of the X-Men vote, we were getting closer and closer to the actual gala. And now we're pretty much in the gala. We've got Juggernaut and he's wrestling with his acceptance of being chosen as an X-Men. He's flashing back to maybe why he shouldn't be. He's feeling the love from other people. It's a general conversation about what it means to be given that second chance and chosen to be on the X-Men team. Also starts to continue this further and further into the darkness that was the Hellfire Gala. Mm. Like the the first couple, light, fun, Mm -hmm. friendly, gradually more and more blood-soaked panels of death and destruction, which I thought was great. Something that you probably did not recognize or did not connect with. The resurrection of Sammy, fish boy. Mm. Well, I I mean, I did recognize the fact that this was probably a callback to a specific issue and a specific moment in Juggernaut's history that was impactful in some way. It was. So Sammy was a... Juggernaut was basically a surrogate father for Sammy during his time on the X-Men previously, Mm. which I thought was a really interesting tie to then bring up the fact that Juggernaut is back on the Mm X-Men. And there was, there was just like a lot of emotional things around and just where Kane was at that point in his life, trying to be better, but also being assumed as the villain. Mm. I actually have all the issues of Sammy and his arc. If you'd ever want to read them, maybe, Start putting together a giant pile of things for me to read post-surgery. I'll just bring up a whole box. <laughs> Written by Steve Fox and Stephanie Williams. Art by Noemi Vittori. Colors Pete Pantanzas. Letters Travis Lanham. sees Travis Lanham. We're doing like a worth mentioning on X-Men Annual. I think the worth mentioning <sighs> is the, the rage at the result. It's so, so silly. So we've got captain marvel v cyclops and you look at this this uh matchup and you're like really captain marvel's going to destroy cyclops and in the end the only reason that she doesn't is because it would also kill other people so i mean you want to talk about cyclops's second or third mutant power being tactics and strategy that's that's what he's playing here i was completely blown away upset by the fact that Captain Marvel should have easily cleaned his clock. And the fact that, like, all right, he doesn't have superhuman strength. Right. So these punches that are throwing him through buildings and crashing through the other side, I mean, he has peak human strength, as most mutants do. He should be dead. He should be dead or at least (laughs) limping. You know, at least least knocked unconscious in some way. Yeah. So essentially, you know, he wins and... uh, on to whatever craziness Agatha has in store for for all her little minions. The final being Avengers Annual number one next week, this week coming up, which I'll probably get because I've been following Jen McKay's Avengers and, you know, conclusions and whatnot. Contest of Chaos Part 7. This was written by Paul Aller, art by Alessandro Miracolo, Color art by Annalisa Leone. Letters Clayton Coles. This is Clayton Coles. Josh Cassara and Dean White on that amazing cover. Mm-hmm. The verses. That is a great cover. I really like the color of how the red of Cyclops's eye beams is reflected back onto his costume. Yeah. Super cool. I've been following... Oh, no. I can't remember his name now. 
but there is a colorist that has been doing really interesting process shots of their work. I'm upset now that I can't remember his name, uh, but just showing like the first draft, like the flats mm. and then the shadows and then the details and nice. then the gloss. It's just cool to see how much goes into coloring. Right. And, and how much that is an art of itself. I think right. a, a lot of times, even in the, the main titles, it's, it's by the writer and this line artist. And it's right. by, you know, the colorist is often not mentioned. I think there's a struggle with, okay, the, the letter kind of brings in their own artistry with the onomatopoeia and the placement of boxes. But the depth and shading of colorists is really intense. Yeah, the colors can completely change the vibe of, of an image. Curls Comics is pissed Uh-oh. about Scott beating Carol. That's right, Curls. She'd That's freaking right. She's had so much growth and they didn't show it at all. You know what's my new favorite thing? Is that we now have met some of the people who most frequently engage with us for the podcast and... I can now see them and hear them saying their comments, and that's really fun for me. <laughs> but you know what, Curls? You're right, because that's baloney. Yeah, yeah, it is. But maybe there is a plot with it, as the Pikachu is pointing out, all mutants won their matches in Contest of Chaos. Mm. Will this be the start of more mutant magic? Maybe. Which I think would be a great follow-up or, or takeaway from this. I don't think it's going to happen, sadly, because yeah. it's, it's likely... The Avengers are now on the opposite side in this annual. They're going to fight Agatha's champions. They're going to beat them, and they'll return back to normal. Here's the thing I'm thinking is, too, that each writer for each of these battles was told, here's who has to win and here's who has to lose. For sure. So it's interesting to see how they did that. And I think what you were saying about the tactics of Cyclops letting completely loose and having Carol absorb every amount of his power and knowing that she wouldn't be able to retaliate, like that is an interesting spin to put on it. If that's if there's any way for him to beat her, like that's gonna be how it's that, done. That's gotta be how it is. Yeah. Because she could easily murder him. Like literally the fight could have been over before it started. Right. Are you ready to talk about Predator versus Wolverine? I will talk about it. You didn't like this? I didn't. Why? I was bored. What? I loved this. I thought I was so surprised by this. I I think it's because I'm I'm here for Ben and his jaunt across Wolverine history. It's mm. like he is playing the highlights left and right. He is one of the longer writing Wolverine writers in recent history because of the fact that he's writing Wolverine in his solo and Wolverine in X-Force, along with some spinoffs like this and the podcast itself, mm -hmm. that event that went through his history. It just feels like he knows the character so well, so he's able to really pull into the bits of his character across time. And, you know, it, it feels like uh, it, it has the 20th Century Studios imprint. It feels like it's a, a piece of its own self. It's mm -hmm. in its own little world and will have no relevance to anything, but it's a fun story. No response. I was just trying to think about how to respond because I don't disagree with what you're saying. Like, I think Ben Percy is a great writer. I love that the voice he has for Logan. I think what you're saying about the jaunt through Wolverine history and having a writer who really understands the character to do that is a great thing. So I don't disagree with you. I think it's just that this isn't really a story that I'm... I wouldn't pick this up. I will, if, if we weren't reading it for the podcast, I don't think I would pick it up because I just feel of all of the X characters, Logan is the one that I've had the most 
exposure to through yep. other media lenses. And I don't, I've never really been like a big fan of Predator. So it just wasn't really interesting to me in that like, oh, they're they're hunting each other. And I don't know. I don't know. I didn't not enjoy it. I just it's also not, didn't were, like really enjoy it. You either. weren't looking for it. You weren't right. seeking it out. But this matchup seeded across time along to back when Wolverine Logan was in the wilderness of Canada hunting for animals to sell. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the art. I was just going to say the art is the spectacular the hero of the book for me. Right. Ken Lashley in the beginning parts. I initially thought that they were going to be the right or the artist throughout the entire book, but was not disappointed in the kind of origin flashback with a comparable style to the origin series. Mm. And I thought that that was just really interesting to get to know Logan's character at that time, how he was surviving, what he was doing, how he was basically thriving, being able to be the true loner that he always says that he is, while also being able to eat. Mm-hmm. And, and the interesting spin of this guy who's like, I need help finding my son, but JK, I really just need help getting to find some people so I can kill them and take their stuff. Yeah, definitely giving Nathaniel Essex vibes. Mm-hmm who has some play in the second origin series. In their first matchup, Wolverine wins, but primarily because of his bear friend, the person that he's sharing a cave with, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting and a fun little nod to Wolverine's animal side. But in the second time jump, we're in Team X territory, and the Predator has brought friends. And that's where we end. But Logan has friends too. Sometimes. They're not really friends. (laughs) They're mercenaries. Yeah, but they're on a team. Yeah. For money. And reward. Well, we'll see what happens in the next next Predator vs. Wolverine. Ruvio Connor really enjoyed Predator vs. Wolverine more than he was expecting. I could hear the Predator theme music. Fire emojis. Which, yeah, I I was not sure what to expect with this and just loved it. I'm a big fan of Wolverine, so I think that that might have had something to do with it. Don't really know Predator all that well, but... Yeah, I guess, like, is Predator a comics character or no. is it strictly a movie character? It's a movie character that now that Marvel owns the Fox line of Got imprint, it. they're able to do something like this. be interesting to see... Aliens, like Alien versus Predator Mm -hmm. versus the Brood, just because the Brood are largely inspired by the Xenomorphs. Mm. This was written by Benjamin Percy with art by Ken Lashley on the present day. Greg Land with Jay Lyston on inks for Young Wolverine. Andrea DeVito in the Team X storyline. And colorist Juan Fernandez in present day and Team X. And Frank Diamarta in Young Wolverine. Letters, Corey Petit. This is Corey Petit. Cover, Marco Coquetto. All right. The true test of whether or not this will be high level. Ooh. How do we talk about Alpha Flight number two? Mm. Well, you know what I was just going to say? It was like, you know, we finished those books that we would consider non-Krakoan books. And I put air quotes around that, but y'all couldn't see it. But now I'm 
nothing is a Krakoan book anymore. Sure. I still call them Krakoan books in the polls, like Krakoan book of the week. But... Right. But like, what do we do? Like, we're going to have to reframe how we handle that going forward. It's still Krakoan era in my mind. Like the Krakoan era is still continuing. That's a lot of people at the start, they were calling it the Hickman era. Mm-hmm. But because of the fact that it was a team of writers and eventually when Hickman left, I feel like the transition went to the Krakoan era. And I think that this is still, this is the fall of that. Right. Okay. How do we talk about Alpha Flight? Let's talk about the cover real quick. Okay. Let's talk about the cover. Chaos. Fights. Our teams versus these box sentinels. I think the cover is good. It doesn't wow me, but it definitely gives the right vibes. Diplomacy. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I try to do. You know, try to be diplomatic over here. Well, and also still, if you didn't read the first issue or you didn't see it, the one thing is Fang with his like weird Spider Woman pose clawing into one of the box sentinels. He looks more like he's falling forward. Yes, yes, yes. But there's a a famous Spider Woman illustration that people are like, that's anatomically incorrect and Mm. impossible and sexualized. I mean, I can see it. Yeah, no, 100%. All right, well, I'll give it a page turn noise. And let's just, like, kind of talk about it. You know, we'll go through it quickly. We will. We will. You're shaking your head, but we will. I don't believe you. We will. So, essentially, we're at Krakoa North. We've got kids who are cooped who just want some, want some escape, but we can't go outside because They'll find it's you. not safe out there. I and think that that was an interesting way of establishing how they are remaining hidden, that mm. Nemesis is hiding them all, and the detail of there only being 23 mutants that they've saved. Right. And how many more they wish they could save, and how they're unsure about where exactly they should be sending them, because it doesn't make sense to be sending people to a war-torn place at this time. Well, yeah, but they know the plan is to send them to Chandelars later on in the issue. So we've got our title page. True North. Divided We Stand Part 2. Written by Ed Brisson. Art by Scott Godlewski. Colors Matt Miller. Letters Travis Landham. VCs Travis Landham. Leonard Kirk and Edgar Delgado on the cover. You know, I think the, the Argent story, mm. interesting as they're struggling with this hero life, not wanting to be a part of that, but then also updating their parents about... right. Yeah, I'm here. Well, they want to be called Laurent. They don't want to have a superhero code name because they don't want to be a superhero. And they they just want to say to their parents, I'm alive, but I can't tell you anything else. And right. that's what we're getting in and this, this is, data page. This is how I got here. Right. The conversation with Lalandra. The f- Whoops, that's Zandra. This is Justin editing the podcast. Okay, bye. The fact that they can only make one trip, basically. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to be able to get multiple ships out to Chandelar. And there's no access via gates. So I love the point and and especially tickled my brain amongst the the Shi'ar learnings. Mm. The fact that we are known for our long history of imperialism. We can't interfere in Earth's politics. Right. Like, well, I mean, you could. You could. You just don't want to. Sure. Well, I mean, I feel like it would upset a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Right. And especially you think of the intergalactic empire of Wakanda that has... A foothold in Earth as right, well. Right. You think about Billy and Tommy and the Kree Skrull Empire and their connections to Earth. I feel like it's 
not as easy as just helping their friends and allies. Right. It would turn into like intergalactic warfare if they did that. Which is cool. <laughs> then we've got, you know, our our OG or I don't know OG, but previous Alpha Flight member who Beta Flight now ha- oh right he was only in Beta Flight, but it was now on the run from Orcus, and we're just kind of touching base with him, and we're seeing the way that. Orcus propaganda is spinning the fact that he attacked people, he killed, he destroyed this facility, we must find him, and we continue on with them trying to take him down, and and he's just not, he's not interested. He's going to use his powers, and he's going to shut them up. He just wants to leave, and the owner of the diner's like, wait, hold up, hold up, we got cops coming, I don't want to tell you that, but I I need need you to know, we called the cops, and you're going down. You're going down. The everyone out. Like, I don't know feedback. I have not known them previously, but they're making me want to know more. Right. And and in this moment, too, we're building witnesses, right? Because here you see if he was the evil villain that Orcus is portraying him to be, he wouldn't say everyone get out. He would just blow them all up. So we're getting to see, like, instances of how Orcus could could be exposed for their lies. The right. more witnesses to these individual attacks that happen all throughout Alpha Flight, the more their credibility dwindles. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's because of the fact that these are civilians that probably won't talk at a larger level. And then you have feedback himself going up against a battalion of police officers that are really going to control the narrative after the fact. Right, but I'm saying the more and more just civilians that start witnessing these things, the more that will happen. Nemesis's role in the team, the teleportation leaving her exhausted, the shaky unsureness of if she can do this consistently when needed. I thought this was a really interesting Mm. reveal of their power. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Nemesis, but it's interesting to see them say, okay, you know, I need a minute. And then, but then the moment the team is like, we need you now. They're like, yep, okay, I'm on it. I got this. Duty calls. Well, no one knows who's under the mask. Oh. The reader does not know who Nemesis is. No one knows. Right. Ooh. There are some some theories or some some questions, especially this point about not wanting to talk to Guardian about it or involve him. Mm. Makes me think of someone in particular, but that's not a mutant. Okay. It'd be odd on the mutant side of things. Ah, interesting. We'll get to that in the questions. Then I think this for me is the the bulk of the issue. The most important part is that. The Alpha Flight team decides that they're going to go to Feedback's aid to sort of step in and they're thwarted. They're told by go the home. head honcho, like, go home. You didn't have the right to do this. And they decide, you know, or Guardian at least, is that his name? Yep. Guardian decides that, you know, we, we should listen. We should go back to headquarters because we can't essentially stir the pot or we're going to give ourselves away. And then they but they send you in can, the Krakoa North team. You can see how no one on the team likes this. Right. The stank face that Snowbird's giving him, the fact that Puck is like, are you kidding me? Isn't this what we're trying to do? Right. But I mean, he does make a good point. Like they can't just go willy-nilly and do what their hearts want them to do because they're going to expose themselves. If they're going to play both sides, they have to actually actively... Be on both sides. Be on both sides. And And if their cover is that they're anti-mutant they have to do more anti-mutant or appear to be doing more anti-mutant actions than not Hmm. 
And they have to support these sentinels that clearly cannot hang because they keep getting destroyed. Yeah, these sentinels are not impressive at all. You guys need to call the American counterpart and get some Tony Stark tech as this fight is just feedback trouncing them in the face. They get a couple shots, like one or two shots, but then in come our mutant side of things to tell the box sentinels, hey, we're here, we're taking charge. We're going to beat you down, and we're taking our guy back with us. We're taking our guy with us. What's that Krakoan say? Divided We Stand Part 3. Ooh. What'd you think? I thought it was a good issue. I like kind of seeing the turmoil of the team and the cautiousness around exposing themselves for what they're doing. I think it's important to really monitor how they're getting these mutants out and and really for them the struggle of like are we actually making an impact because we're only saving so few mutants and this battle between like does the individual does saving the individual really make a ripple in the waters of, you know, this war and I think that it does, but it's yeah. hard to kind of quantify that. Yeah. And to justify your actions when you're unsure of what they're leading to. But I think this is shaping up to be a really interesting story. And I'm interested to see how the teams grow. Yeah, I really like this. Uh, It expands on the struggle that these heroes fighting as the resistance are going through. I have a new love for feedback, someone I never really knew of. Mm. I'm really enjoying the art style. Liking the emotional conflict between the characters, both Guardian trying to do the right thing but not wanting to blow up his spot, and Nemesis who seems to be exhausting herself trying to help but knowing that she's the only one that can do this. Now, Guardian is also the name of one of the Shi'ar guard. Is that correct? Gladiator. Gladiator. Okay, that's what I was getting confused in my head and I wanted to make sure I was on the right page. Okay. Captain 2 Michael is cheering for the end of Alpha Flight 2. A badass FU to the box Sentinel guy. Yeah, Roger yeah. is just all whoopsies. I still want Roger to, to switch sides. I don't see that happening. Just especially how in, excited he was and to carry out his father's legacy. Something that was established in the first issue that like he's doing this to basically continue to murder mutants in the family name. Well, I didn't say it would happen. I just said I wanted it to. Sure, yeah, yeah. Blonde China saying that Alpha Flight is interesting because it's actually showing the population and how they're dealing with the fall of X. It feels like a natural progression to go to Chandelar, which I hope to see. Mm. This book, especially for some reason, feels like the stakes and time is running out. And I think the progression to Chandelar is a natural one. I feel like we saw that in Powers of Ten way back, the fact that they moved out into space. When we were talking about it during the live People didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Is the idea that you know they're abandoning their home, right? But someone in House of X posted the other day about Stasis, basically saying uh, exactly this a year ago. Like you've taken one planet, go further. Like Earth in this conflict, it does not end well for anyone. Just, just basically mm-hmm. leave, which sucks and and is not something that I root for, right? But you think of a way to regroup build strength right yeah and then retaliate i think it's it's only going to end in war especially where we're at right now right and i can only imagine what else they would do yeah that's what i was thinking while you were talking was like i don't think of it necessarily as a running away as more of a temporary retreat to regroup and you can't safely do that anywhere on earth i mean the mutants the x-men you know some of them are trying to do it underground but even that is 
is dangerous and doesn't give give you access to as many resources or allies that you might have if you go elsewhere. So I don't think it's like a permanent exodus from Earth, but I do think that it does make sense in terms of trying to strengthen and fortify your troops to be able to make a stand. It's the old dump and swing mentality. You got to lose some ground to gain some bigger ground. Mm. You throw backwards so that your handler can throw deep. That's ultimate frisbee for you there. We got two people wondering, who is Nemesis? The Pikachu saying that they seem to be a former member of Alpha Flight. And Vaynerino, all caps, who is Nemesis? Alpha Flight is a weak spot in my X-Men lore library. So the one person that comes to mind, and especially with the connections to Guardian, is Heather Hudson, his wife. Hmm. Who, again, not a mutant, but in the way that Guardian has been empowered by a suit, could have some power by this. It wouldn't make sense with how she is tapped because of the abilities that she's using, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I feel like that's the extent of my Alpha Flight lore would be like, okay, yeah. We're getting hints that we're going to find out next issue with the cover. Oh. The cover of next issue and the last page showing the mask revealed to the Alpha Flight team. Oh, and they look shocked. Which makes me think that it's got to be someone they all know. Right. You're not just going to do that for anyone else. Are we ready to talk about Uncanny Avengers number two? Yeah, let's do it. Uncanny Avengers. The fury of Rogue right here. The sadness of Cap as he stands his ground. I love a good reflection shot in Mm -hmm. the cover. I think that this cover is misleading before you read the issue, but then hits home after you read the issue. I mean, Rogue does seem a little aggressive for the idea of, you know, the conversation about who should lead the team, but this budding heads of Rogue v. Cap does feel pretty authentic to the meat and potatoes of the issue. For sure. Here we go. Page turn noise. Right off the bat, title page. But not something for me to say, just you. New Avengers, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Javier Garon, colors Maury Hollowell, letters Travis Landham. VCs Travis Landham. The cover by our interior team, Javier and Maury. I think it's funny because this does not technically fall under the mutant side. Mm. This is technically a, a hero's side of books, right? This is more under the brand of the Avengers and, and all those books because of the editing team that is working, but even some of the assistant and associate editors mixing across those lines. I think this is basically Jerry acknowledges, I don't have to do two pages. I don't have to do two, two titles. I, I'm free. I could just do I'm free. One the title. one. The one. He's got one title. The other, I just make it up. We're, we're still battling Captain Krakoa. We're continuing to battle him and other friends are joining us like Black Widow. Which the, is fun. Yeah, our Unity Squad versus Mutant Liberation Front that ended our first issue. Uh, my favorite line of the issue. But first, I must do what comes naturally when I see the most slappable face on the planet. Hello, Andreas. Right, Quicksilver <laughs> making a move before he goes in to stop the nuke theft. Their ultimate goal, the MLF, they're trying to take a nuke from this base. Captain America is not looking too good. 
He had just had his arm broken in the fight with Captain Krakoa. Mm-hmm. Blob is still upset. He just doesn't understand why there are mutants who are fighting against them. He's still, you know, kind of brainwashed by this fake Captain Krakoa. Manipulated. Yeah, it's honestly, it's what most people are reacting to in social posts about it. It's like, what's going on with Blob? I thought we had all this great characterization in the Age of X-Men, in the Krakoan era. And now he's kind of just on the bad guy side willy nilly but he believes that this is cyclops that he's following he believes that he's working for the mutant cause and for some reason nobody's putting it together that that's why and nobody's talking to him nobody has said to him that's not cyclops which i think is interesting but also do you yell that in a battle and will he believe you you in have that instance. Multiple telepaths on the team as well. So I think mm. that, that could be an interesting way. Yeah. You know, I also think you play that tension out for a reveal later on right. and then hopefully a redemptive arc for Blob having gone through this downbeat in his story. Because you know we're going to find out who Captain Krakoa really is soon because members of the team, or a member of the team at least, finds out who he is in this issue. Oh, the overconfidence of both Deadpool and Pietro. (laughs) Deadpool with that DDT, a weed killer of some sort, and getting taken down, called the clown again. I really like Deadpool in this. It feels like Captain America brings out the best in him. Mm -hmm. Like he actually wants to be somewhat serious while still being his jestery self. I'll throw a couple quips in here and there, but I really want Cap to take me seriously. Right, right. As the MLF roll out, this one goon as they're trying to interrogate before he bites his cyanide pill he's like peace out i'm not telling y'all anything i got to go the slap back and forth between black widow and kanan i thought you were a telepath yeah i thought you were a pilot as her ship got taken down earlier by the mlf well we gotta go back to base and rethink what's happening here look at steve look at steve getting a bucky arm like when I saw this, I saw this on the cover of issue three. I was very confused. I was like, did they really just take Steve's arm off and make a metal arm? But well, no, it's like a shell. That's what I'm confused about because he's saying like, hey, can I like let me borrow that Bucky arm? But Bucky's arm is not a shell of an arm. It's an actual mechanical arm. Right. So theoretically, there wouldn't be room for a real arm inside it well comics and who knows i don't know the extent of bucky's history and yeah, whether true. or not either. he got an arm somehow well while steve is testing out his new arm and seeing how cool it is to throw a shield with it the mutants are coming in and we've got something to say we don't think you should lead the team steve the, the mutants and pietro right. to be clear <laughs> and pietro I don't know. I think that there are valid points on everyone's side. Ultimately, I think Deadpool makes the correct call. But the fact that they're bringing up, hey, everyone already hates what Orcus is doing. They don't associate the MLF with Orcus, even Mm -hmm. though we know deep down that's what's going on. But if Captain Krakoa, a symbol of mutant society, was to kill an Avenger, the leader of the Avengers, that would just turn everyone further onto Orcus's side. And it right. makes sense, but it's kind of like the frustration of we're playing second fiddle to our own fight. Mm-hmm. The mutants, like Rogue specifically, and Kanan and Monet that were doing this on their own, they're like, hey, this is not this is not the tactics that we want to be employing. But at the same time, having a non-mutant as the face of, you know, fighting against and knowing that mutants are on that team 
when it is revealed that Captain Krakoa is not who he says he is, like that's going to be, you know, a positive thing to have Captain America on your side, I guess. Yeah, I guess that makes sense and is basically where Deadpool's going. The fact that he's just calling out everybody on the mutant side. All you do is lose. And the fact that you just told the one guy that you always bet on mm-hmm. that you don't want him to be your leader. Like, this is the guy that he always comes through. This is mm-hmm. Captain America. Yeah, and Cap was like, you know, they told me before, like, what happens if you die? And like, I'm not, that's that's fine. If I die, I die because I'm here to fight the good fight. Now I'm going to take my very discreet shield backpack, put on this baseball cap, and go talk to a guy. But first, into space. It's Stasis and Modoc. I just love this conversation. The fact that they're confused about this nuke stolen, which I think is a nod to the fact that a lot of people, there are two nods here. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that nuke is an option for right. the secret identity of Captain Krakow. I feel like how blatantly it's in this issue multiple times is Jerry saying it's not nuke. It's not nuke, yeah. What is he going to do with the nuke? Why is he improvising? Why is he just, he's not following orders. Another reason why it's not nuke. Mm. It's also interesting to to see them talk about that and to hear that he's not following orders because they've basically, whoever this person is, has their own agenda. Yeah. And they thought, oh, we're going to control you. You're going to be our puppet. And this is very much a laughing in their face kind of moment. Like, no, I'm going to do what I want. I got free reign now. You can't stop me. Right. I got my own team. We're off doing stuff. Let's go. And part of that stuff is doing each other. (laughs) Fraternizing (laughs) with in the team back at their secret hideout as we got Captain Krakoa and Andrea finishing each other's sentences. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he goes to step into the shower and Andreas is like, no, 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 my sister's but in there. My sister is in there. Uh-huh. No, no, I don't care. And then she says, oh, it's you. No surprise, no question, just a bolded you. So she knows this person. Mm-hmm. I think that is a vote for... Hydra Cap? Hydra Cap, I think so. Someone else on Facebook actually said a really interesting alternate name that we had not heard previously. James was talking about how this could be Zemo. Oh. He's been inactive. So Stasis's comments about bringing him out of retirement fits. And Andrea knows Zemo, so that works as well. Plus... He's impersonated other costume heroes before. He was pretending to be Citizen V when he formed the Thunderbolts. Dude, Xeno would be a dope reveal. Yeah, it would. And it would be completely unexpected. I was not thinking that as an option previously. So new name entering the chat because I feel Mm. like Nuke is crossed off the list. Yeah. I like, just as a side note, the giant snore. Yeah, as Blob Blob is sleeping sleeping on multiple beds tied (laughs) together because he's so huge. It just wild side hates everything. But so does Andreas. Indeed. But, you know. This is an intense rendezvous in the showers. Can we just, like, the the gripping of the throat? Yeah, the like, oh, it won't be so tender the next time. There's nothing about this that's tender. (laughs) Essentially, he's like, oh, let's do a little sexy, sexy, little rough, sexy, sexy, but it will be murder. No jokes. If you talk. No fun. If you tell anyone who I am. Whatever, they're having a good time. <laughs> Leave them alone. Cap secret rendezvous revealed to be Ben Yurick. You know that it's big if it's Ben Yurick involved. Mm-hmm. 
And I like that Ben is like, listen, Cyclops confided in me and I can't just let that be. I know this isn't him. I know this can't be him. So I need evidence though, Cap. Right, I want to be on your side. I want to help tell this story, but I need evidence. I can't just take down the organization that's filling the void of S.H.I.E.L.D. that has a better approval rating than President's past just on a hunch based on Captain America. I mean, like if anyone had a hunch that you could back is Captain America, but I get it. Journalistic integrity. Are we about to cross books again? Empire State University nukes. It looks like it as this sets up in the Miss Marvel territory. Mm-hmm. Science. Rules. Orcus. Sucks. <laughs> What's going to happen? What could go wrong with radioactivity at Empire State University? Which is the Krakoan, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. They'll get it sometime. You know, this whole, I think the, the Krakoan is so clunky because you have translated what could go wrong with Krakoan, Krakoan, Krakoan at Krakoan, Krakoan, Krakoan. Yes. But what would you think about this? I liked it. I, I got excited that at least one member of the team now knows the secret of Captain Krakoa. I think the intensity of the arrogance of the uh, mutant liberation team is a great part of the story because I think the more arrogant they get, the closer they come to their downfall. I'm really looking forward to the moment when Blob realizes what's been going on. and Hoping and for it. Just, I just want him to like punch Captain Krakoa right in the face, yeah. you know? Break his mask um, off. That would be awesome. I think the, the tension between, you know, who's the leader of the Uncanny Avengers is an interesting point. And I liked what you brought up about saying like they're playing second string in their own fight and they don't feel great about that. But I also think it's an interesting point to think about how with mutants being so hated right now, them stepping up to be the face of the fight isn't necessarily the best thing for them, but it's kind of that difficult thing of, well, I want to stand up for myself. I don't want to have someone else do this. I can do this myself, but I, in the end, it's not really the best choice. Right. Yeah. I mean, my, my initial reaction is don't tease me. I want to know. There's so many <laughs> mysterious players in the fall of X. I need to know who Captain Krakoa is. I, you know, it's a great hook. Mm-hmm. but come on Andrea recognizing him makes me feel that it's Nazi cap making sense mm-hmm. but I love the Zemo ad as a new player in the game yes. this felt slower kind of playing the fallout of issue one and the setup of issue three these inner team dynamics were interesting and that shout out for Deadpool for making the most sense which what yeah what is that about the art in this book gets a lot of flack on social media and I get that Mm. I don't, I guess in some moments I feel it more than others, but my general consensus is that I feel that when I look at X books, they have a different art style than other books. And so if you're used to reading X books, maybe this just feels... Yeah. This doesn't... Not an X book. This doesn't fit in with the other things of the X line, but then again, it is kind of beyond the X line. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's it. It's some of the faces. Uh, it's some of the like the boyish charm that Steve has in, <laughs> as he's playing with the shield and the arm. I don't know. Curl's Comics asking if we know who Captain Krakoa is after the shower scene. We don't, but we have some guesses. We have some hunches. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if there's someone not on this short list i feel like nuke is off the list but i feel like 
if it was someone beyond those two, I just don't know who would it be. Hmm. How they definitely feel like they have to have some kind of Nazi Hydra ties right. for you know Fenris to know them. So I don't really know much else. Right, right. <laughs> I can't offer any insight on that. I don't have enough knowledge. JP Didomaso also wondering if we can call it confirmed that Captain Krakoa is Hydra Cap, right? Also, I understand your 100 references. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Now there's three of us. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Anyone I don't know. else? Anyone else? <laughs> I don't know if we can call it as confirmed, but I feel like they're leading us to believe that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. A lot of people pointing out the fact that Hydra Cap is dead. That means nothing in comics. We yeah. all know that. We all know that could just change in a blink of an eye. Warlion agrees Captain Krakoa is definitely Hydra Cap. Nuke's whole deal is loving to follow orders, but Cap is a leader who doesn't do that. Duggan showing Nuke in the Born Again flashback is a weird diversion as everything else points to Captain K not being Nuke, yet Mm. he wants to keep people thinking of that. And I thought that that was less him wanting to think that he was an option, but more of like telegraphing, no, it's not Nuke. Mm -hmm. Like here are multiple references to Nuke and how his character doesn't fit into this narrative right Mm -hmm. now. But Warline was also asking if the mutants really tried to sideline the one person whose importance on the Unity Squad has always been being the face and the PR side of their whole mission. They were so stupid that Deadpool, of all people, called them out. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it plays off the conversation that we're having before of you don't sideline the guy that roots for your cause or that everybody roots for. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I feel like we are removed from the emotions of the situation. Yeah. We are just the voyeur, the the reader of sorts. So I understand where they're coming from, especially to feel sidelined, especially to have had within their ranks other things going on. Right. And I also think the... Very specific point they made of if a someone posing as a mutant kills a non-mutant like you, Captain America, that's bad for us. That's bad for business. Right. Because they already have so many examples of mutants being framed for murder, <clears throat> trying to avoid one more. I can understand. Well, especially after the result of the first fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... I think someone might have mentioned it, but the the fighting styles. If Cap is Cap, right? Mm -hmm. They would know each other's fighting style and or recognize things. I think that's augmented and or adjusted because of the suit's strength. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Maddie MKM wants to know why Rogue's Little Mutiny didn't work. Mutants should be leading a team designed to help. Well, they are. Sure. Just not a public facing team yeah you're talking about a different team or Uh, yeah i'm saying the x-men exist the dark x-men exist like there are mutants leading teams who are there to help and i think what i was saying of like you know mutants are a touchy subject right now so if you want people to back the uncanny avengers if you want them to back the avengers team you need to have someone that they trust at the forefront Having Captain America as the front and center, I think, definitely does that. Even, I don't know if Black Widow will continue on. Mm -hmm. She also has a sordid past, for sure. But that's two big names on the human side of things to say, hey, no, mutants were on their side. Yeah. They are people. Yeah. Blanchina enjoyed Uncanny Adventures, but felt it was very fast. I don't know. 
if I was just excited, but it also had great moments. Psylocke is not only the deadliest with a sword, but with her comebacks. I literally <laughs> LOL'd with her line at Black Widow and love, love, love Wade coming to Cap's defense. And he's not wrong. Like I said before, I, I feel like he, Captain America in these two issues brings out the best in Wade. Yeah. He's, he's still joke guy. He's still silly, but he's pulling a lot more reasonable nature with what he's saying. But isn't that Captain America's thing? He brings out the best in everybody. Right, right. When Michael first saw previews, he couldn't believe that Blob would flip, but it's actually tragic that he thinks that he's doing the right thing and is getting manipulated. It hurts my heart. It really does. I, I Honestly, I think that this is one of the most interesting parts about this story is that Blob doesn't know what he's doing is wrong. And I think that that's where I want that that redemption for him. That's where I want him to be the one that takes down Captain Krakoa, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. you want him to to feel vindicated in his m- manipulation. Yeah, to be able to make the right choice in the end. Mm-hmm. Fenris continuing to Fenris, which is a love-hate, but also makes me question why and how they made the short-lived gifted TV show loosely based off them, LOL. Mm-mm. Which is interesting, right? You remember? The fact oh, that- we were just, I was just talking to someone about the gifted. I think it came up on the Uncanny Experience Live where someone was talking about, oh, next year bringing gifted actors, blah, blah, blah. And I had commented in the chat, I was like, essentially, the gifted was my gateway to mutants. Like, right. I had seen all the movies before that and, and I was into them, but The Gifted really sparked my interest in a, a, a whole nother level, which is so interesting when you look at Fenris in that show yeah, and how not Nazi they are portrayed. <laughs> right. Well, uh, yeah, they're very generations removed, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're, I don't think that they're Andreas and Andrea. No. But, right. They're like their nephews or right, right, grandchildren right. or right. some And you do flashback to that terrible team up i honestly i think that the reason they were so prominent in that show Mm -hmm. is because of the fact that that show really played in the idea of mutant powers mixing Mm. and they are like they have to be holding hands to be able to use their abilities yeah so i think that that just laid the foundation to then take that further which is also really relevant to the krakoan era yeah and it's funny that you said that that was your gateway and why did that hit more than the movies? It's the serialized storytelling. Right. Right? It's the fact that you're able to... A movie can only give you so much, and you can only rewatch it so many times, but a show watching week to week for a enough for me. season... Yeah, sure. <laughs> but yes, the intensity, the detail, the tugging at your heartstrings in a different way. Speaking of Fenris, Vaderino can't tell who Andreas is more jealous of, Cap or his sister. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I cackled regardless, which, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, it's, that's very true. No, you say it and yep. I'm upset. <laughs> well, even Andreas on the ship, I hate all women. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, and except for me, right? Right, right, right. The Pikachu wondering if Orcus is planning to use the nuke at ESU to draw out Miss Marvel and the Uncanny Avengers. Kind of what you were hinting at mm. at the end of the issue, which makes sense but is terrible right but it's also not orcus it's captain krakoa that's using this the thing for me is the the pull out of the word radioactivity and how you know radioactivity has been known to give other people powers in the past and i'm wondering if there's some sort of machine that will build a bunch of super soldiers for this Terrible captain to. That's interesting. Be in charge of, you know, and 
I don't know. It just, it just, it's the phrasing of the, you know, how does radioactivity affect kind of. Yeah. What can go wrong with radioactivity at Empire State University? Yeah. What's interesting because these, this is an orcus, right? That, that's the one thing that stuck out to me. These somehow, whoever Captain Krakoa is, he came with his own goons that have their own uniforms, which I think is really interesting. And I don't think that Orcus themselves would be doing this under the base no. of one of their satellite operations that is essentially a breeding ground for the next generation of their science division. I mean, that's why uh, Stasis and Modok are like, what is he improving for? What's what is boy he doing? doing? Ben awakened the snow, asking the real question, is the super soldier serum why Cap doesn't need to wear socks with his shoes? <laughs> <laughs> Which, at first I read that, and I was like, I don't get it. And then I went back and I saw the fact that he does not have socks on when he's in his civvies as he's playing. Or or he has very, very Y'all, low... he might have those little ankle socks on. I don't know. Cap is old-fashioned. That just doesn't strike me as something that he would do. But it's definitely the super soldier serum. He doesn't sweat as much. He's wearing socks. No Cannon. socks in your shoes is just bad for business. Stanky feet for everyone. Yeah, I know. Are you ready for Wolverine? And the Hulk. Sure. Also clones. There's also clones in here. The bubs. Backup of the bubs. I mean, I feel conflicted by the cover because it's making me think that Wolverine and the Hulk are against each other. It's a great looking cover. The detail is gorgeous, but it's not giving me the vibes that we're going to become teammates. You know? Yeah, but it also plays off of the nostalgia of Wolverine and Hulk. Isn't that where Wolverine made his very first appearance? Mm-hmm. Ooh-hoo, page turn noise. Setting the scene for the fall. All this recap from Logan, little voiceover narration. Yeah, everything sucks. Orcus is out to get us, but now I've I put all my little my little side quests to bed, and I'm here to help take down Orcus. Uh huh. Not really. I'm here to take down my errant clones first. Right, but they're a part of Orcus. The clones from Beast. Oh, you're right. Never mind. I mean, we do get a shot of one of these Sentinel Wolverines, which I think is just—it's mm-hmm. just so crazy to think of how many Wolverines there are. There's so many Wolverines. Who's gonna help you on your quest? But your BFF, Jeff Bannister. He's got some intel on where one of these clones might be. Meeting in the shadows. This is top-notch CIA work. (laughs) Title page. And now, The Hulk. Last Mutant Standing, part one. Written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Juan Jose Reap. Colors, Frank Diamarta. Letters, Corey Petit. This is Corey Petit. Lionel Francis Yu and Romulo Farhardo Jr. on the cover. I got to read some classic Lionel Francis Yu work the other day for mm-hmm. uh, an episode with Gray Malkin Lane talking about Astra. And it's just interesting to see, I think this was from 1999, mm. 24 years ago, and how Lionel is still killing it in the mm-hmm. game. It's just cool to, to see artists where they came from. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to the Howlett Estate in playing Canada. In Wol- playing in Wolverine's past. This devastation this wild animal eating the flesh in canada which spells disaster if you haven't known about the curse of the wendigo Ooh! if you eat human flesh 
in the wilds of Canada, you turn into a Wendigo. Oh. That's what this is. Well, that makes more sense. So that's why this one Wolverine clone has become a Wendigo. Right. Wendigo also in the first appearance of Wolverine in Incredible Hulk 180 and 181. Well, I guess that makes perfect sense why your good friend the Hulk is going to come and save you after you've been ripped in half yet Uh, again. I love this note about Logan being as different from young James Howlett as the Wendigo is from him. Mm. So like he is kind of this middle ground of transformation. He's he's wrestling with a lot of internal monologue about being a monster. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he's hunting, he's a monster hunting monsters. That's what the conversation with the Hulk tends to go to. Mm -hmm. And just the, to see him acknowledge it as they're fighting through. But then yes, to be torn in half again, because we saw this early on in X-Force in the Krakoan era, Mm -hmm. which one of my favorite, when when he puts them back together, Forge puts them back together in the Krakoan battle suit. Love it. The Hulk is here. He saves the day. Ready and, to smash. And then, you know, after Logan has a moment and wakes back up, the two of them enjoy some drinks by campfire and, and catch up. Bruce is not looking too good. I mean, he's just tired. Haggard, he's having a time. Right? He's on a mission, on a side quest. Healing up this separation of identity note. The fact that like, you speak about the Hulk as if he's not you. like. He never really was. Right. He's his own entity. But but it's okay because we've got another message from Jeff Bannister to distract us from the sentimental conversation. We must move on to find the next of the clones who might be... In Japan? In Japan? Oh, this was heart-wrenching. Just the way that we go into this, the fact that... So they're, they're just in this spooky forest... And it's revealed that they are intentionally trying to get captured. They have no intel, no technology, no way of finding these people. So let them people find you. We're a couple of guys that can take a handful of punches and only become stronger because of it. But what we can't take is these super fast acting poison darts. As they wake up amongst the ghost sect. These people be drinking the rejuvenating blood of this other Logan clone. In order to rejuvenate their ghost cells. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, I, I understand it. Especially, I don't think that this ghost sect became active be- because of Wolverine. Like, right. they were already in search of their next meal. Life. Right. Just a crazed look in this leader's eyes as he stabs and slices and sucks out the blood from... Logan clone and then we get a clone on clone battle and add in the Hulk because Wolverine encouraging them all in Japanese hey you know he's the guy made of real strong stuff apparently Banner knows Japanese yeah he's not interested he's tried to tell Logan like I don't want to bring the Hulk out like let's try to do this without the Hulk and instead Logan just says no no we need that big muscly guy so he convinces for uh, he convinces them to stab Bruce and here we go the hulk has arrived yet again to smash help good blood good this the fact that this wolverine clone thinks that he's doing a good thing he's helping these people mm-hmm. i mean he kind of is but they're using it in a very twisted right. way and 
likely endgame not going into a positive direction. But once the second of the clones is taken care of, we get our next tidbit of information from our good friend Jeff Bannister that takes us where? Madripoor. Madripoor. To find who? But Patch. Sort of. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> a Patch puppet of sorts. Running the town. The Lucky Tiger Casino. This is why I really enjoy this issue, because of how much it plays in the history points of Wolverine. See, but this, going through Wolverine's history in this way, is way more interesting to me than the Wolverine versus Predator. Yeah, sure. I'm just pointing it out. I think that they both, I think it's interesting that they both came out in the same week. Mm-hmm. And maybe that did a disservice, that it kind of felt like hitting you over the head with Wolverine flashbacks. But, I don't know, I like both of them. Infiltrating into the casino trying to get a seat at the table while Banner makes his move down the halls. We've got uh, some friends that are wondering, hey, what are you doing out of your cage? What are you doing out here on the floor? How'd you get out here? Meanwhile, he didn't get out of his cage because that guy's still in there. And uh, (laughs) Bruce happens upon a little uh, orgy of sorts. Sorry, not this room. Yeah, this isn't what I wanted. Well, it depends on what you're here for, lovely. And who is here to join us on this quest? Of course, it's Solemn. Solemn. It's always Solemn. You know, Ben loves Solemn, created Solemn. I think that that is a great person to check in with every 20 or so issues, especially as a Wolverine shade or altar, right? Mm -hmm. And Solemn is sort of using Patch's expertise or Patch's reputation to have his Patch puppet gain him... The top spot in Madripoor. I love this bub, 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 bub. Hi, bub. You and me. Hi. Mm-hmm. Hi, bub. Oh, man. Flash forward a little bit as we're getting ready to have a little arena battle. Bruce versus this patch. And it's not going to end well. No, no. Because Bruce has no interest in being the Hulk. Yet again. Too late. Solemn apparently knows who Banner is, but doesn't understand what he's unleashing. (laughs) The fact that he perks up when he hears the name Banner, but then chaos ensues and he's like, oh no, what have I done? Here, let me help. Let me do stuff. Cut me loose as I punch you in the face and steal your sword and jump into the fight. So now the third of our clones has been dealt with and Logan has to sit alone with his thoughts. A little wistful looking out to sunset plans to take on Orcus. And that shall be continued in our next story. I hadn't done the Krakoan on this because I did review this this morning, but Mm -hmm. looking at it, it's Last Mutant Standing Part 2. Well, there you go. Captain America and Wolverine teaming up. Maybe some connections to the Uncanny Avengers and where that's going? Maybe. What do you think of this? No promises. I really liked it. I liked seeing this this version of Bruce, I haven't really encountered comic Bruce. I've really only encountered MCU Bruce. So, um, you know, his struggle with his monster within versus Logan's struggle with his monster within. And I also really liked the breakdown of how there can be so many parts of a person that make up that person. And then when that each of these clones are sort of pulling different aspects of Logan's personality, and that's the dominant trait that they have you know the helping other people the destroyer um 
you know, the puppet or the weapon in someone else's game and kind of seeing all those parts of Logan drawn out in these individual experiences I thought was a really cool way to break down just some of who he is as a character. Yeah, just the multifaceted nature of who this character is. He's so Mm -hmm. old. He's lived so many different lives in so many different ways across the world. And this is just like a, a sample set of that. But I am excited to see this story going in the direction of like now Logan is going to focus on Orcus and kind of get back in the game because I know that it was important to kind of tie up the loose ends of what happened with all those Wolverine clones that Beast had running around, but I do kind of want to move the story forward and I don't really need to dwell on that any longer. Yeah, I mean, he even argues the fact that that is a PR problem for mutants in general. If Mm -hmm. there are versions of himself going around killing people and doing things, that's not a good look for anyone. Right. This was really good. I feel like Ben Percy is completely running the bases on Wolverine stories. He's just, yeah, I know all the continuity, all the history. Before I got this job, I read everything and I just kind of took notes and playing the hits, playing the highlights and just am cranking out solid Wolverine stories. Mm -hmm. If you're a fan of Wolverine solo stories, you probably love this arc. Mm -hmm. All the places, all the people tying him in with everything he's done previously. A big fan. Connor 1.0 calling out Hulk as an amazing horror-filled adventure so far. Glad Mm -hmm. to see it sort of spilled into Wolverine 37. Mm. It makes me curious about this current run of Hulk. Yeah. Not that I need another title to slowly binge in the background. No, no, no. Still working through Ghost Rider. Thanks a lot. Wolverine, that was you. A.M. Friedrich said, what a great issue. I'm usually not super into the Wolverine solo, but this had such great callbacks to his history. I definitely wasn't expecting to see a Wendigo Wolverine mashup. And that was rad as hell. He had more of a general thought. How are so many A-list mutants avoiding Orcus detection? Like Wolverine, Iceman, Nightcrawler. Wouldn't they be the ones most sought out? I mean, they even know Iceman specifically is out there. What aren't? Wh- why aren't humans getting killed, right? This whole ultimatum X that they refer to it in right. the next issue. Right. Well, they, I think it's a little more like it. once they capture you, then they kill the 10 people in your place. Maybe they like... Maybe they make your capture look like you murdered those 10 people. Or... Right. Yeah, I guess that that would be the weird way of how they play it out. I mean, 10 people go missing. Right. You have con- confirmation that Iceman's out there doing stuff. You have confirmation that Wolverine's out there doing stuff. And now 97% match that Nightcrawler's out there doing stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of telling on Orcus's part that they don't actually have all their ducks in a row. Maybe they made a little, a few empty threats over there. I mean, they made a lot of empty threats and maybe they don't actually want to commit mass... Kill more people. Yeah, mass murder of the humans. How else are they going to get to their super soldier stock? You know? Right. But it is a good point. Orcus did say that and there are clearly at least three mutants running around. Plus whatever the mutant... You know, like they know Kamala Khan has exposed herself or they know Miss Marvel has exposed herself as a mutant. So they know that's a fourth one. Hmm. Fake Torto wondering about our guests in this issue. Wasn't Solemn on Arako? Why use him so badly in this issue? Where also Hulk felt a bit just to sell, kind of like on the cover just to... And I think it's interesting. So I believe the last time we saw... Solemn, he was going to retrieve his hell bride. And that was referenced here that like, ah, it was kind of terrible in hell. So I went on to other things. He's also just kind of like a guy that does whatever he wants, was follows it, the whims. Was it Somnus who was in the, there was a recent issue 
of Arako, and I can't remember what book it was, but like he was talking about everybody wanting him and all of these things. Is that Somnus, not Solemn? So you just brought up the fact that Solemn was in last week's issue of X-Men Red mm-hmm. in a flashback on Arako, technically on Ameth as well, because that was even further flashback in the Fisher King story. And maybe that's what Fictorta is talking about. Mm-hmm. The second point about just using the Hulk to sell, I mean, it worked for me. I, I was super hyped to see this team up. And I thought that it was well enough explained that Hulk is on a side quest doing a mission. I don't read the Hulk's ongoing, so I don't know how this ties in. Warlion gives us some notes on to how it doesn't correctly <laughs> tie in continuity-wise. Take that. But I don't know. I think that this, especially as we go over the next couple issues, this is Wolverine across the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. He's teaming up with Ghost Rider, with the Hulk, with Captain America. Spider-Man has an issue. I think Black Panther might have an issue. Mm. So it's just like, hey, you know, all the mutants are doing their thing. I said no to Krakoa, so I'm just calling up my friends and doing some... I'm just doing my thing over here. Going my own way. Fabio Ciccone wants to know, why the heck Logan isn't murdering Orcus people left and right? And I think that's what we might unlock in the next issue mm. that he's going to start, especially teaming up with Cap, who's doing his own Unity Squad adventuring on his own. Yeah, plus his prodigy... Shadowcat is doing that for him. Sure, right. It's interesting, though, because he's just he's more tactical than that. He's mm-hmm. not just going to go and, and straight up kill people because also knowing the response. Right. The killing humans and if he's doing that. I don't know. Because also, like, to the earlier point, they have not delivered on that threat. Right. Vaderina was pleasantly surprised to see the Wolverine hunt get cleaned up fairly quickly. Thanks, Bruce. Does this mean Logan will actually do something about Orcus? Which, again, you know, pointing out, hey, maybe probably should pick that yeah. up. Yeah, I think so. He said it. He said, on to Orcus. That's his next his next step. Warline bringing up the monster hunting thematic connection to Hulk, but there are inconsistencies timeline-wise and supporting cast-wise. Hulk is running around with a stubborn teenager, and right now he and Man-Thing are teaming up. Here he's alone, which, you know, I think it's hard to pinpoint if something that came out last week is the same continuity time point as something that mm-hmm. comes out in another title this week. Also, like, Wolverine's in how many books? Right, and... Wolverine's jumping all over the timeline right now. So it's just kind of a... There are collaborations that happen because people want them to happen. The Mm -hmm. writers want them to happen. They want to use this character. It's not necessarily contradicting what's going on in Hulk's story, but it's not bringing in the full of Hulk's story. Right. He would have loved to see a mention of Logan's life with Rose as it was as peaceful as it can get for Logan until she died. Also, it's always fun to remember that his feelings for Jean are him just finding a replacement for Rose. Which I think would have been kind of a, a retread of what gets brought up in the Ten Lives and the Life of Wolverine combo story a couple of years ago with that event, where we do see Rose, we do call that out to the connection to Gene and him even mistaking Gene for Rose. Mm-hmm. It also just doesn't seem like these flashbacks are happy times. Right. Like these seem like tumultuous times, times covered with dark periods as well as formative experiences the three that they pick i feel like are really interesting because there's some positivity but there's also a lot of negativity 
Yeah, and I think it, it ties into the fact that Logan is dealing with the monster within himself, right? So we want to be focusing on those times where maybe he didn't feel like such a good guy. After a, a quick pause to rest and rejuvenate. No one would have even known we took that pause had you not said anything. I need to be transparent <laughs> about the struggle that is my current situation. Okay, after a quick pause, we're back. We're back, and we're ready for our final two books. Mm-hmm. Uncanny Spider-Man, your book of the week. My book of the week. The people not necessarily agreeing, but, you know, it's there. The votes are there. It's a contender. I say this is my book of the week because not only did it have big story moments and big reveals for the overarching story of where Krakoa is at or the fall of X is at as a whole, but it was also entertaining. It had lighthearted moments and I don't know. I just, I I really liked the pacing of it, the energy behind it. And I, you know, had a really satisfying, like, I knew it moment. So that always makes for a good book of the week in my I mean, mind. I genuinely loved this issue. I thought that it had levity amidst the serious tone of the fall of X, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm literally just reading the post that I posted earlier. <laughs> it gives all the swashbuckling vibes of Nightcrawler, but adding in saving lives and avoiding the true trauma of what happened to Krakoa and the mutants. Mm-hmm. There's mystery, that little Banff, the Hope Sword. It's just, it's cool. It's good. What do you think of the cover? Amazing. Honestly, I want this as a poster. Mm. Well, let's get into it, shall we? Yay. Page, turn, noise. Spider Pursuit. We're throwing all the spider references. We've got shocker technology shooting at whoever this mysterious spider is. The Spider Stands webpage that apparently one of these henchmen follow for insight into how to play off of Spider-Man type heroes. Right. If you go into the park, there's no web slinging buildings. Right. You you can't get enough momentum, can't get enough arc. This is the way to escape. But But oh no, it doesn't work doesn't work because this one doesn't have any web slinging, which uh, I don't know. How did you not see that as he's just teleporting left and right? Well, I guess the the bamfing from building to building could kind of feel like a swing from building to building. But a, you've been bamfed. And you've been flipped. You've been thwomped. And you're getting puns thrown in your face. Puns that you don't quite understand. And need to be explained. Ah, well... Uh, I'm thinking this would be a very fun money moment to say you need to practice your parking, pal. I love this whole moment. This whole moment was so funny to me, the way that he's explaining the joke. Right, because he's he's trying to do all of the things that Spider-Man can do. I feel like this is Kurt being able to live out his dreams to be the hero that is loved and respected. He yeah. always he, like Since his first miniseries, loves being... A hero loves being a pirate, a swashbuckler. Well, what I think is so interesting, too, is that he's often referred to when he's Nightcrawler as a demon. And people are like, oh, he's a demon. He's creepy. He's gross. He's disgusting. But now that he's a demon Spider-Man, everyone's like, oh, my God, he's so sexy. What can you do with that tail? Right, you know right, what right, I mean? Right, right. Like, the just mystery. that, yeah, the mystery and the perspective change of a, the air that a spider person has, right, you know? Well... The people genuinely like Spider-Man, right? right? J. Jonah Jameson goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. General authorities, who cares? But the people 
are here for Spider-Man. Love a Spider-Man. So, you know, he's he's taking out all his tricks with these guys, including the his Hope sword. sword. Did Where'd you, that sword come from? Did you remember this? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where does it come from? Oh my God! So first, his mother like pulled it out of him, and she had it for a while, and then he gets it back. Yeah. Like, so uh, I had done. It's like his soul sword. It's basically yeah. It's his soul sword that he's able to pull out of himself and return to himself in the same way that Ilyana can do. Mm-hmm. It is forged out of the undying hope that he has for the world and for people, and it lives in a spot in himself where he had previously been bonded to and wielded the soul sword from Ilyana. Mm. So he had that space in himself to be able to mold this sword. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. We, we don't get too much of those details. It's like you can, you can figure it out if you want or if you're reading along, you can. But if you don't and you don't care, you don't need it. Keep on going. Keep on going. But he, you know, he takes care of business with these bad guys and he's... Come upon by a group of park people. They're fans of sorts. They would like to get an autograph on a 20 from you, please. Could you please give us a 20? I'll take two 10s if you have them. And ah. there's a there's a random stranger in the group looking for their baby. Where's my baby? Sad Susie. <laughs> but oh, then, oh, I love this image of the Stark Sentinel coming at them, detecting... The mutant pheromone, mm. but somehow not confirming, not pursuing. Nightcrawler evades the sentinel, and the mysterious woman disappears. She likes to hang out by that treehouse. We think maybe she's a mutie supporter. Ah, the treehouse. What's the treehouse? Well, you know, this voice in your head that keeps on telling you all these things, it's where all your friends were. Now it's buried, burned. Mm. But we don't have time to deal with the treehouse. We got to bamf out of here and return these human organs. Your friendly neighborhood Spinnenmann, <laughs> which is German for spider and man. Interesting. Yeah. There were a couple of translations that I had to look up just out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. One here and then one in Dark X-Men. Well, we've got this poster from Orcus. You know I love a map. Mutants tricked us. They poisoned us. They walked among us. But thanks to your support, all mutant teleportals have been deactivated. Orcus, keeping the X out of NYC. Man, I got to find out who's doing their marketing because this is great. This is Your just... friendly neighborhood sentinels. That's terrible. It is terrible. <laughs> but it feeds off public sentiment, right? It's true. It does. Which takes us to our title page. Better the Devil. Park Life, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Lee Garbett. Colors, Matt Miller. Letters, Joe Caramagna. This is Joe Caramagna. Tony Daniel and Sonia Obach on that cover, which I always love seeing names that I don't recognize, mm. especially when I really like the art. Like, yeah. I love that cover. Yeah, it's a great cover. So we're catching up. Spidey to Spidey. Eating the pizza. Trying to find out, like, Nightcrawler, what's going on, man? Right. right. Nightcrawler is recounting his heroics and... Peter is just like, ah, hey, Kurt, can we actually talk guy to guy? Like, what's going on? What are you doing? When you came to me and you said, hey, can I borrow a suit? It was really about clearing your name and saving mutants. And you're kind of not doing that. So I was just wondering, like, are you good? Also, what's with the astral cutlass? (laughs) Is that like a mutant thing? Actually, no, it's my adoptive mother is an evil sorceress who utilized my crisis of faith to turn my innate optimism into a magical weapon, then tried to steal it thing 
okay. Yeah. I, I, just, I love it. It's so ridiculous. I love it. I do, too. The banter is great. And, you know, Spider-Man is just like... What's the plan? What are you up to? What are you doing? I thought you were trying to clear your name as we get this supercut of all these headlines from his reign of terror when he was under Orcus control, when he was the demon-horned Banff demon. Mm-hmm. Instead, he's just going to focus on helping people one person at a time. The inner conscious of this spirit Banff. Why don't you just... And all of the things that he's thinking, too, just the the privilege, essentially, that Spider-Man gets to experience to, to live this life as much as you want. I mean, you know, Spider-Man is the Parker Luck. He's a walking doomsday, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, you know, grass is always greener. But at the same time, I would say that Kurt definitely coming from a downbeat from right, everything right. that is going on for mutants. Cut to an Orcus lab where they're... As you said before, 97% sure that that's Kurt Wagner. Yeah, but we didn't pursue. Why? Well, the Sentinels, very simple machines. One identifies, one attacks, one destroys. We got to figure out exactly why they're evading us or how they're able to evade the Sentinels. And and, and we got to get that under control so we can release the hounds. Ah, they're developing hounds. Okay, Talk about a gut punch. I'm looking at this. I see Farrell on the page. Then I read the word hounds and I literally almost started crying. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. Right. Because we know what hounds are, at least from Powers of Ten mm-hmm. and where things go. Hounds have been around since Rachel Summers has been introduced into the X line and the dark future that she comes from. But here we're seeing uh, where it came from, how it's developed as Director Vulture is involved. Or is it Director Vulture? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Trying to get a crack on the mortality cure that they have. Wanting to, to break that nut. And it seems to be injecting them with some techno-organics is how they're controlling them. Sure, yeah, right? I mean, they are all about the robotics, the post-humanity, the merge of man and machine. As we even see the vulture with techno-organic upgrades. Mm-hmm. This was wild. So, like, I, I thought we would get Spider-Man antics. I didn't know that we were going to get Spider-Man villains mm-hmm. as well. When I first saw it, this was one of the preview pages without letterboxes. I was really excited and confused. Like, Vulture has been in the current Spider-Man run, but has kind of stepped away from and, and went on a, a terror reign trying to kill Spider-Man because of the relationship that he ruined between him and his granddaughter. I thought oh, that was really no. interesting. Yeah. Exposing him as the, the criminal mastermind of Vulture. Well, we're questioning not only how it is that Kurt and the potential other mutants are hiding from the Sentinels, but also, why is it that Nimrod sucks? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, you send, you send a sex toy looking robot to do an engineer's job. If he can do it, other people are going to be able to do it. That's why we need the hounds. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to find and take down these mutants. But they're not ready yet. No. And then we get this fun page from Spidey Stands. We get some... Attempts at a new name, yeah. the current version of Spider-Man. Trying to figure out who this guy is. There's a lot of interest in the occult version of Spider-Man. The fact that, you know, we're in New York. There's 
the demon limbo embassy in the center of the city. And mm-hmm. now there's kind of like a demon Spider-Man. Right. So he must be a demon of sorts. But we can't call him Devil Spider, people. That's already been a thing. Yeah. Sp- I love Spidemon. Hmm. I'm into Hellcrawler. I like Hellcrawler. Hellcrawler is cool. The three suggestions for Devil Spider. Mm-hmm. Just, this is Cy like, having fun. I like when this person is like, I'm deleting this. You guys are disgusting. And then someone's like, bye, Felicia. Yeah. Felicia Hardy? No. No. Ah, it's another beautiful day. We're running in the park. But hey, some guy is uh, harassing this lady. Some guy wearing the clothes of Sad Susie. It's time to... With a Latveria hat Yeah, on. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Maybe that has connections as to where this person went. I mean, let's just pull the Band-Aid off. This is Mystique. It's Mystique. We're going to find that out in a couple pages. But Kurt pops in, kicks the face, and saves this damsel in distress who is just... She just smitten. wants to, and she just wants to keep her vintage music player, okay? Right, sure. Yeah. And also her mutant detecting necklace that she bought from Orcus. Right. Which I think is another genius plot point forward into their attack on mutants. Mm-hmm. You know, you turn everyone against them. I hate it because I love the mutants, but I like it because it's interesting narrative. But she loves Kurt. She's smitten with Kurt, as you said, and she thinks that the mutant detection must clearly be for whoever this was attacking her and it couldn't possibly be for Kurt himself. And what happens but Mystique? little shapeshift into Mystique's face. And again, she says, where's my baby? Who do you think she's talking about here? I don't know if she's... She can't be talking about Destiny because she wouldn't be calling Destiny her baby. baby. But then, like... Is she talking about Kurt? Is, is she? Yeah, like, is she? Am- amnesiac? She's having, like, some kind of crazy thought where she's like, the last thing I remember is being thrown off a cliff. Where's my baby? And you're sure. like, lady, it was the other way around. You threw him off a cliff. But we don't, we don't get any answers just yet. Kurt's gonna ditch the babe, grab Mystique, bamf out of there, and that lady gonna run away screaming. Into our last section of pages as Merck's coming into New York for some business. Mm-mm. This is later revealed to likely be Wild Pack because our leader of Wild Pack, talking through the mission, talking through what is needed to move forward. The thoughts on, you know, frankly, I'm looking at this case file. The only thing that my instincts are telling me is he's cute. Mm-hmm. Which... Everyone thinks he's cute. Seems to be size angle for anything that he's writing with Nightcrawler is that he's getting some. <laughs> and then we get our reveal that we kind of talked about earlier. Well, actually, in this he's cute, we're noticing, hey, this guy that we're supposed to be hunting seems to be missing the giant demonic horn aspect of himself. Sure, sure, sure. But we get our reveal, Silver Sable, out. It's- Interesting to connect the points of the hat that Mystique is wearing and the fact that Silver Sable is from a country right outside of Latveria. Mm, what's also interesting is the buttons say 40 watt and free hugs on the, the bubble vest. So hmm. I don't know what that means, but I feel like we're all going to be clues at some point. At Maybe. the very least, the I love Latveria hat is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to read into them as if they are clues. As I do. 
Shout out to anyone I gave an incorrect clue to at the Uncanny Experience, because as you all know, I will find a clue in anything if you tell me there are clues all over. Yes. (laughs) Next, Blue Streak. Ooh. Ah, I freaking love this. This issue is so good. It was funny. It was heartwarming. It was suspenseful. It was exciting. It was action-packed. We got Mystique. I knew she wasn't dead. Yeah, I think everybody was like, there's no way. There's no way you're going to have her exit stage left in a bloody way, but sure. But then not have anything followed up on on what actually happened to her. I like that she's not fully there. She's confused. She doesn't know where her baby is. She's not like, she didn't bounce back immediately from that Yeah, she's still struggling. Fall, right? Something yeah. has happened to her. Yeah, it's, got, it's got levity and fun, but with the pangs of regret that Kurt's feeling. Mm-hmm. The art is beautiful. The mysteries are layered. It's a ton of fun, and honestly, it could have won Book of the Week in my mind. Many others agreed, you as well. Yeah, and I was I was one who was like, meh, I don't want to read Uncanny Spider-Man. I don't think it's going to be good, and I was wrong. So get ready for me to probably say the same thing about Resurrection of Magneto. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> this is easily the most I've enjoyed Spurrier's work in the Krakoan era. I feel like the other two titles, three titles, have had some elements of intrigue but have felt a little off I for understood. Kurt's characterization. I understood the whole book. Great. I knew everything that was happening. Plus you have this melding of X-Men and Spider-Man concepts that is just fantastic. There's so much going on but at the same time it doesn't feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Bruce 33's local comic shop sold out of Uncanny Spider-Man before no, they could get there. No, no, no. I know, that's disappointing. So I sent them a couple of links to some online shops that they could order from. Oh my goodness. The added struggle of needing to pay for shipping. But, you know, you want it, then you got to have yeah. it. The fact that they're selling out makes me feel like this will go to second print. Mm. Interesting. Fake Torta loved why Kurt went to NY to be Spidey. A very compelling reason after Legion of X and Immortal. Mm-hmm. Which I'd agree, you know, like this feels very connected to who he is as a character. Wanting to help people. Wanting to get away from the burdens of responsibility. The Ways that he felt like he was kind of failing Krakoa as a nation. Yeah, totally. Blonde China was pleasantly surprised with Uncanny Spinderman. <laughs> I might be part of the small percentage that was into size other X books for the most part. I didn't know how it would read, but it did a good job of balancing humor and action while continuing the story, but also starting a new chapter. It felt more digestible without feeling like dumbing anything down. I agree, 100%. That was very well put. Yeah, that's exactly what you were feeling, I feel Yeah. Like. Which you had struggled, especially with so Legion much. of X. Yeah. And I would just feel overwhelmed by how much there was on the page. And this just didn't feel like that. And it was very exciting. Which is interesting read. because there's a lot coming into this, right? But right. it's just not bogging you down with the details. It's just like, yeah, these things are here. It's, we might give you another turn or two of exposition as we go through it. But they're just a part of where this character is. Right, it's letting the story unfold naturally and letting us experience it as we need to experience it to understand it. Michael is also very excited to see where this goes and it makes him feel better about the upcoming X-Men Blue one-shot. So something Mm. to keep an eye out for that is written by Cy Spurrier and falls between those issues. It's not critical to understand this story and it's also not critical to have read this story to understand that one-shot, which I thought was interesting. Details revealed in that interview I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Future Dog Walker, like, wait, what? Mystique is alive? That's right, baby. That's right. Mystique is alive. We saw her fall, and then her body 
disappeared. We saw her fall and there was blood on the rock. I thought that that was an interesting point to recover from. But she has been attributed to some form of a healing factor or some form of the fact that her cells can essentially regenerate. Right. And the fact that we cut to, oh my God, she's on the rock and she's bloody. Look away. Look back. She's gone. That tells you, you know. Mm. Yeah, right, she's right. She's alive. She, she washed off and she, figured she, it out. I told you, she went to see Namor. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, Namor should be in the storyline somewhere. Curls Comics wants to know if we're shocked by the Hope Sword tie-in for Kurt, because I sure am not mad, though. I think it's an interesting add-in to who he is as a character. And plus, you know, it was built up through the end of Legion of X, and now he's using it, like he's reclaiming that thing that was almost tortured out of him. Yeah, I feel I wasn't shocked. I was more like, oh yeah, this thing, this is now a part of him. Yeah, honestly, my boy is living his best life amongst <laughs> tragedy while not actually dealing with that trauma. But man, he is so swashbucklingly happy. Yeah, yeah. He definitely does need to deal with his trauma at some point. Yeah, though. just put that off until whatever. <laughs> Vaderino shouted, praise Tarn. It's actually a good book. <laughs> so happy to see Mystique involved. Theory, Xavier's psychic assault on her brain caused whatever is happening to her oh so the, that the push and the fight yeah yeah because he was going at her hard so he maybe reverted her to another time maybe yeah maybe 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 let me say maybe one more time maybe do it again maybe the Pikachu pointing out that orcus is experimenting with the to virus is that connected to nimrod killing magus and warlock mm. so we saw that build throughout legion of x the right. fact that he kills uh, Magus at some point that we don't really see happen, but we get reference to, and then Warlock dies as well. Ah, but secretly Warlock is inside the, all of the hounds and he's going to save them all. We'll see. Maybe. That'd be cool. Warlion wondering why Spidey didn't seem to understand magic. Peter's powers are inherently magic-based as they depend on the web of life and destiny that was revealed in JMS's run and all the, the Spider-Verse shenanigans are related to that. And let's not forget his deal with Mephisto, which is interesting, mm. right? I think that he, it was kind of a glossed over point that Kurt, you know, seemingly the, the running block of text was just like, eh, or it's also this nonsense explanation of something that, mm -hmm. you know, and Peter's just, okay, you got a lot going on that you're yeah. not seeming to want to talk in depth about. So we're just going to... Chalk we'll that just up. gloss over that for right now. Revisit that later on. And he calls out, it's official. Both Vulture and Doc Ock are anti-mutants. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting to see who else amongst Spidey's rogue gallery will yeah. merge into that. I think it ties back to the idea that Spider-Man was on that front page before the Hellfire Gala, right? Mm. Talking, is he a mutant? And now we have a mutant Spider-Man, but we don't know that for sure. Right. Dark X-Men. Dark X-Men. The people's choice for Book of the Week. I am the people. You are the people. We've got a angst-filled cover over here. I just, but... yeah. It's, it's action-packed. It's infighting. You know, the crew is great. Classic lady pose and comics showing off um, the bits, right? Yeah. You, you need to be turned so that you see both the front and the back. She has a lot of back flexibility to be able to do that pose. Sure. No, it makes no sense biologically. <laughs> Here we go. Page turn noise. 
Ooh, let's learn about the many Madeline Priors of the multiverse. Yeah, the loss, the depths of limbo. Mm -hmm. This goblin queen and her fallen angel as she is able to recover the gift from these two Orcus agents or Mm -hmm. freelance Orcus agents because nobody knows who they work for or how they got here. Right. They just exist within Orcus and this particular goblin queen has a Banff dragon by her side, but right now she's just eating Archangel. Yeah. And that's not great. Trying to continue. I mean, I think she also was eating the delivery guy and Mm -hmm. is now continuing the transformation of her new angel of death of sorts. Yes, yes. While simultaneously, our Madeline Pryor is reviving, in a sense, Yeah, Alex. We don't know if this is actually going to be Alex on the other side, because he doesn't look good. Get out of here, Gambit. Seriously. Come on. Not now. Gambit comes to check, and she's like, get up. I'm using all this complex dark magic while also trying to stop your blood from going everywhere, so be gone. We've got, you know, a little, uh angst amongst the team maggot is really not wanting to be part of the dark x-men he wants to go back he wants to get angel he wants to continue what they were doing i mean it makes sense they're heroes right they they have a fallen comrade that but also the counterpoint well i mean we've been back here for how long he's definitely not still there Mm -hmm. there was a ton of mutant hating agents all over the place right azazel and emplate their interesting relationship that was seeded in the issue one the fact that M-Plate seems to be somewhat of uh, employed by or owed a debt to Azazel. As if there wasn't enough confusion about the family, Azazel has to say, come on, M-Plate, continue your penance. Yeah, 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 right. Just bring, I was like, no, no, they're you different. You had to use that word? They're different people. Do we have to do this right now? <laughs> this resistance between Azazel and Gambit as they're talking and... Zero in the background, dragging along his new cybernetic Wolverine. I've always wanted a Wolverine. Mm. Uh, what Gambit says in Cajun French, mm. Cajun American French, let the good times roll. Ah, excellent. Title page, Beggars Can't Be Choosers. Wings Off Flies. Written by Steve Fox. Art by Jonas Schraff. Colors Frank Martin. Letters Clayton Coles. He sees Clayton Coles. Steven Segovia and Frank Martin on the cover. Uh, well, it's me, Alex. I'm Alex, here in Alex my zombie form. Different. He's just not doing very well. He looks dead, right? Like he he is pale and Yeah. He's definitely a zombie. Even just like the the word bubbles around him. Yeah. And we've got our friend. Who is no longer Gimmick? Gimmick is going by Faint now. Yes. New name, new costume, new vibe. So I read in an interview or a a tweet conversation that Steve connected with Vita, who created or co-created Gimmick, that they also had the intent to change their name. And I Ah. believe Faint came from Vita. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So it was always an intention. Well, here are these two Orcus agents who... Happened upon Orcus in a way that we we don't know about. We don't talk about. They're bad guys. That's what you need to know from this little description. Yeah. Kroll specializing in robotics, testing the pain thresholds of AI. His background is mysterious. 
and Valens. Arcane research is her specialty. Traded lives and stole magic items for her own benefit. This scarlet woman assassin, as she's referred to. Mm-hmm. But what we want to know is, who approved them? No. Nobody. No, no, no. Error, no, no. error, error. Uh, uh, you don't get that information. Valens is so excited about Goblin Queen, though. Like, mm-hmm. this is... She has read stories about this person. Yeah. She's... This is her glory right now. Getting to have Goblin Queen here and getting to have her resurrect her angel of death. Now, why don't you go... Sick that angel on some peeps for us. Yeah. This whole, their work being justifiable because they get results. I this, don't know if that's what makes it justifiable. Hey, you know. That's some flawed logic, I think. There was a lot of hullabaloo about this panel. So mm. Steve actually tweeted, you know, I think books should be able to stand on their own to speak for themselves. But... The fact that Madeline Pryor is a clone of Jean Grey means that she would have Omega-level mutant abilities. Whether mm-hmm. or not she accesses them or trains them mm-hmm. or actually can hone them to their extent. Someone posted uh, a side-by-side of this panel and a panel from the Dark Web X-Men arc, the one through three, referencing again that Madeline Pryor has... Mm-hmm. similar range of abilities. But people were in an uproar of the fact that, well, she's not Jean. Basically, Jean stands saying like, hey, this is not Jean. She's an imposter Jean. She's not a completely perfect clone, okay. which has been stated. Let's not use the word imposter since she did not decide to be made in the image of Jean Grey. A nowhere and girl she, with a nothing face. She a- very clearly denounces she is not Jean Grey. So, but however, if she has Jean's DNA, she does have Omega level status. She just, as you said, may not be able to fully access it or may not have full control over it. But this iteration, the Goblin Queen, she's been lurking and working for a long time, brewing up in there. So it's interesting this point about Orcus using their new methods of deactivating the X gene on the Goblin Queen. As right. She cackles. And like she's she is- like, I don't need my mutant frivolousness i haven't used that in decades i've been prepping my own arcane magic and valens's face every time that she sees this woman in her power we have a another little pet project going on do you know who lcd is i know that she's you know connected to albert yep one and the same traveling friends and She's concerned. She's given threats. She wants her boy back. But don't worry. He's fine. He's not going to rebel. All of those higher functions have been turned off. And his actual reason for going off is activating. He has a black box program to spy and send back any information that he collects. Once I read that, I was like, oh, no, this is not good. We're in trouble now. There's a mole inside the Dark X-Men and they don't even know it. So, Zero has combined with Albert? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Uh, which is interesting. So, I believe Zero has the ability to basically grow and manipulate organics, Mm. which is odd for a creature that is cybernetic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know how much meat there is in Albert versus robot bits, but here we get... Zero Vereen, 
mm-hmm. or Wolver Zero as he's trying to pitch everybody his his new form. Yeah. And Maggot just doesn't care. He's like, I- I'm going out. I'm going to find Archangel. Leave me be. I'm out. Archangel. Archangel. Oh, my goodness. Maddie and Alex's odd relationship as Alex kind of glosses over a lot of finer details and explains just what's going on, who we are, how we came to be this dysfunctional, quote unquote, team. Mm hmm. Yeah, to show Faint a picture of you and Maddie when you're both with other people and that other person being your brother, but you knew at that moment that there was something special between the two of you. Yeah, I mean, probably also because she was manipulating you back then mm-hmm. because she had been turned into a mad demon sorceress. Mm-hmm. We have a very detailed, very long data page. Okay. (laughs) So, Justin, take it away. Talking about the initial Inferno and that second take that we most recently saw. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Gene basically stopped the second one Mm -hmm. by sharing the memories with Maddie. The embassy's presence and impact on the surrounding area. The fact that everybody's just like, wait, what? We're just supposed to take this and be cool? The squirrels aren't cool with it? (laughs) I thought that was an interesting detail. Alex's rebirth, a moment here referenced also the mercy crown this pseudo cerebro Mm. unit that we get a little bit more information on in the next page interesting that and adam am friedrich pointed this out the top right of that data page is titled fall of the house of x Mm -hmm. that's not the first time we've seen that it's not and then i said that the only one that i could remember where it was was in Sons of X. Mm. And there's a page explicitly like that as well. And it made me want to just go through a bunch of other issues to find additional pages like this. The Mercy Crown. We've we've reached some team peace. Maggot decides, no, y'all are better than what else is out there. Yes. And we need to use the Mercy Crown because there are mutants out there that we need to find, like our Alpha Flight mutants, and Iceman off doing his thing, Logan's running around crazy, Charles looking sad and really old. Um, yeah, this is interesting because it's basically a Fall of X recap page. Right, you've got, you've got Hazel slash Emma, you've got Domino, who are going to, I mean, You've got Callisto, who we're going to connect with. You've got Bishop up in the corner. Uh, Mystique, spoiler alert, if you hadn't read Uncanny Spider-Man. Even the Wendigo Wolverine. Yes, and a uh, a certain someone we're about to go find, who I don't know who they are, but they are sitting in mushrooms, which is a visual cue for what's coming up. Interesting detail about the fact that this... Mercy Crown works with souls, not mm. with your mental scans. So that's why it's so much more accurate than anything that Orcus is able to employ in locating the mutants. Mm. We're going to divide the team up. Gambit's not happy. Yeah, Gambit doesn't trust y'all with this kid. Which I feel like for Faint, this must be such a cool moment because their original base of their costume was based off of Gambit. So clearly they're a Gambit stand. Yeah. And now they're on a team with Gambit. And Gambit has her back, too. Mm-hmm. But also, Maddie seems like the real cool person that I want to look up to, even if she is crazy. You know, even if she is a demon. But it's decided that it's fine. She'll be fine. Let's break up the team and get get moving, because we've got a lot to handle. 
And oh yeah, I got a new name and a new suit. Yeah, I'm able to just transform everything so I can make my own clothes out of anything. Jumbo Carnation has nothing on me. Mm-hmm. Off to this mushroom kingdom that we don't yet see any more of. Not yet. Instead, we're going to touch base with the Morlocks. Ah, the Morlocks are creating their own tradition as Callisto takes all of her team and gets on a boat while the fancy fancies are at the Hellfire Gala. Yeah. It's funny because she was part of Emma's inner inner circle in that first Hellfire Gala. And now she's like, no, we're, we're good with that. That one was enough. Yeah, that was plenty. And so, you know, essentially they were too far out from any gates to be able to follow through with Xavier's order. So here they are, all in a boat together. Ready to die. What's that? Right. Poor Sunder. Ugh. The slice through of this unknown flying person who has razor sharp wings as the. X-Men side quest team bamps in. But just a little bit late because a skull-headed archangel is there. Oh, the angel of death. There are a lot of Warren Worthington fans that are upset with this. You know, mm. you see Warren being on the cover of the initial solicit. You see the fact like, oh, we're going to get some actual angel content, which we haven't really gotten much of right. in the Krakoan era. The short-lived X-Corp. <laughs> The the role that he played in, what was it? I mean, I mean, he was on that initial attack on the Orcus Forge. Right. Died. Uh, what was the other one? In Ten of Swords, too. Didn't really do much. But we thought this might be a great redemptive arc, and not so much. It's not. Next, Ambush. Mm. I love this team. I love their missions. The overall feeling of this insanity. I really like the art. I really like the colors, the Mm -hmm. deep, dark, and red. And just it has a connective overall tone, regardless of the location that we're in. These new agents for Orcus and their work with the Goblin Queen is really unique and interesting. It's another subdivision of Orcus that we hadn't previously seen. I I love the book. And that's probably what's fueling my call of just be like yeah no it's it's number one i mean it is a great title and i think for me the the book of the week of it all was really what i was saying about that big jaw-dropping surprise for me of mystique being alive or the validation of mystique being alive in uncanny spider-man but dark x-men has always been the book that i've been most excited about in the fall of x and there's not a moment of that book that I didn't enjoy. And everything you're saying, yeah. like the art, the interconnectivity, the dynamics between the characters, this sort of like push and pull that Maggot and Gambit are having of like, what is the right thing to do? Is is being on this team the right thing to do? Is there even a right thing to do right now? You know, how can we be most effective and most helpful? And I really like the way that Maddie is portrayed in that, She's not really changing herself. She's just aligning herself with the mutants instead of instead of being against the mutants. Right. But all of her tactics and her attitude and her sort of sly... Devil may care. Yeah, like she's still Maddie. She just happens to be playing for a different team right now. And I like kind of seeing how that is interwoven into the story. And I think what's interesting is she has always had this battle because she's been a a clone of Jean, right? And eventually she's going to have to go head to head with herself. And though it's not 
a clone of her. It's an alternate universe version yeah. of her. It's still another version of her versus an, her being another version of Jean that she has to face off with. And I think that's going to be a really, really interesting. Absolutely. You know, we're getting into it, but Lokisun22 wants to know what we thought about Dark X-Men. Mm-hmm. And why... So, when I put up that poll, this was not their book of the week. Ah. So, I think that that's an interesting point to bring up as we bring into context why this was my book of the week. I think, again, the things that I listed, it's the team. Mm-hmm. It's the concept. It's the overall doom and gloom, but fighting through it, using the darkness against her. I love what you said about... The Goblin Queen being this other version of mm-hmm. Madeline that she now has to fight versus the opposite side of the coin having to fight Jean Grey and stand up for herself there. Mm-hmm. Now she's fighting for essentially her humanity, her mutanity, whatever you want to call it. I think what's cool too about this is that even though it's living within the world of the 616 and you know the fall of X, this would be a story that I would love to see as like an alternate universe version of the X-Men where like... Madeline is leading them and they are dark and they are like interwoven yeah. into like an limbo. AOA. Right. Like it's it's a cool sort of other dimension of X-Men that I think is really fun to play into how this a lot of these characters are evil and have always been known as evil, right? Sure. But then you have some of them who have also been heroes but have this sort of like evil side, right? Like Dark Gambit, yeah. he's a thief. Like he he does things that, you know, are questionable sometimes. And also we're not going to talk about lighting anyone on fire or blowing up a stove because that's uncharacteristic. But like, Or the trial of Gambit, which is something that you don't know about, which ooh. is likely the darkest point in his history that will break any positive thoughts you have of Gambit. Okay, I don't want to talk about it then. But I'm saying like <laughs> they all have this all of them have darkness in them and some of them it's more prominent or they're more accepting of it than others. But that's what's also interesting is seeing them battle that within themselves of like how do I use the strengths of my darkness to take down someone else's darkness? Well, and it also just furthers the mutant metaphor. Like these are the misfits and outcasts mm-hmm. from the larger group of right. mutants these are the people that don't fit in the the ways these are more out there than the morlocks themselves right, right? and i think callisto is going to join up with them especially with everyone else on her ship just died just died mm-hmm. right are they going to bamf out of there and go back to the other side i don't know but quick bamf away <laughs> which i think that that's another interesting conversation point about the morlocks and how mm. they have always felt to be this outsider group of mutants yeah yeah, I just think there's so much depth to this story that is more than just their battle with Orcus. And I really, I'm really, really excited to see what this version of Maddie, who's been dealing with, you know, she had the whole story with magic of becoming the leader of Limbo and kind of battling with like who she is and where is the goodness in her and is she going to turn over a new leaf and then the goblin queen version of her has just gone completely evil so like encountering that version of herself and seeing what she could become what will that do for her as a character going forward like there's so much 
There's just so much to be explored here, and I'm so excited to see it. And on top of all that, you have Faint, who's a new mutant in this in this world, right? So, so often, you know, the Jubilee or the Kitty or the whoever is brought in on the X-Men and is being mentored by the X-Men who are like, you know, the, the bread and butter cookie cutter heroes. And now you have this newer mutant being led by this team. Like, what is that going to cause her to become but especially just where she comes from with the situation with buddy and the report from buddy's father Mm -hmm. and just like that kind of darkness yeah rob letting us know that dark x-men was their favorite book the ending was awesome Mm -hmm. yeah and i think i think it's jr matt and d that would talk about how like book of the week often is that last page feeling Mm -hmm. right what does that last page leave you with in excitement for the next issue and I would say, like, if we're going on that, Silver Sable, that's interesting. That's fun. But the this Death Skull Archangel is just mm. terrifying and amazing at the same time. See, I feel like in Uncanny Spider-Man, Mystique is my, even though she's not the last page, that's the reveal that makes that book of the week for me. Nice. Vaderino starting with all caps, brutal. It was great seeing the crown of mercy touching all all of the X books really really connecting to everything really helps us feel like everything is still part of the same ongoing storyline, which I feel like we've gotten a little away from, but there's some tendrils of connection here and there, there. which is good. I think that's, that's the money spot to be in where if you are reading all the books, you get this larger story. And if you're not, you can still enjoy the story that you're reading without feeling lost. Like that's that's a sweet spot right there. Yeah. Bruce Thirty Three saying that first page about various Madelines was heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not a tragic end again. No, 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 no. I feel like it can't be. You know, I feel Don't like Don't do my girl dirty like that. The amount of effort that they've put in to reclaim and redeem some bit of Madeline as her own character, mm-hmm. having her own intentions, and now having her own team that she's able to lead. I feel like I would there would be uproar if they did that to her. Yeah. Warline suggested the episode title be Doppelbanger <laughs> because of the amount of references to people getting with others because they resemble people they love. Maddie not being over Scott initially and the connections to Gene being a replacement for Rose and Logan. Even calling back to Scott being with Maddie initially because of not being over Gene and her death. Doppelbanger. Yeah, that's fun. A.M. Friedrich pointing out, like I said before, that header on the data page. Mm. He also was like, is this ready for a murder board? Um, oh, always ready for a murder board. That's what I said. Literally think think about it often. Like, what in this room could I transform into a giant murder board? The closet? <laughs> I mean, there is the board that was the murder board. Yeah, no, that's a smaller one. The murder board board is upstairs in the cosplay room. Right. It's oh. a much larger cork board. Ah, that's it. That's all our questions. That's all our books. Not as high level as I, mean, I had intended, but okay. We let's see. Let's just do a time check. We're lo- we're looking at currently two twenty four. That's got to be edited down, okay? And there was one, two, three, four, five, six. So there was eight comics to talk about. Sure. That's pretty good. Sure. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I tried to go fast, but I just get really excited and I can't do it. That's fine. It was fun. It was a fun conversation. (laughs) I just needed to take that mid-episode nap. Yeah. And you feel better. 
Well, you felt better to start re-recording, and now you shall go take another nap, and you will edit when you can. Yeah, we'll see when this actually gets up. I hate being so late on it, but also hate feeling this way. Yeah. What's coming next week? Great question. Oh, turns it back on me immediately. We have a, another big week, I'm going to be honest. Okay. Uh, two of our kind of time-displaced books. Ah. Storm number five, closing okay. out that Wrapping story. Wrapping it up. Thank God. Yep. End of that nonsense. X-Men Days of Future Past, Doomsday number three. I really okay. enjoyed yeah. the first two I'm issues here. of that. Excited about that. I liked the second one, so I'm ready for the third. And now into the fall of X, not Krakoa, I guess. <laughs> That's a touchy subject. Iron Man number 10. Okay. The other half of that coin, the, the, the wedding, wedding cover combination. Yeah. Jean Grey number two. All right. Yeah. I know you were not loving the first one, but I think. We'll see. I think maybe revisiting that might help now with the context of the things that we talked about in our initial conversation, but who knows? Or I'll just. Read the second one and see go. how I feel. I actually, so I've read the preview pages and I'm mm-hmm. really interested in, because we, we were teased with, we're going back to the initial outreach mm, of the Phoenix, right? right? Yes. Uh, and I think I had said, what if Scott took over the Phoenix or something like that at the end or as we were talking? And it's not that. Miss mm. Marvel? New no, Mutant? what you had said was what if all of them are imbued with the Phoenix, like gotcha. a Phoenix 5 type of thing. Miss Marvel, the New Mutant, number two. Mm, that I'm excited Radioactivity about. Radioactivity at ESU? I really liked that we'll see. book, so. And Realm of X, number two. Yes, okay, let's go. All right, it's just Gene that's bringing you down. It's just Gene. What else is new? I mean, it's a big week in terms of other stuff, too. We have the final Ultimate Invasion Ooh. issue, which I think it was issue three that you accidentally read because yes. it was in the stack. Yes. And you had kind of read issue one. I sort of read issue, no, I read issue one. I did not read issue two, and yeah. then issue three happened, and I finished it and i was like why did i have to read this and you were like you didn't and i was like oh whoops oopsies avengers number five and avengers annual number one closing out the contest of chaos Ooh, all right then but that's just me that's <sighs> just me in the marvel universe that's a bulky week yeah, it is it's a big stack all right it's time for me to go upstairs and continue to sew shadow cat and justin to take a nap so until next time old friend charles we've been you on the island with your beard? He's turning into a supervillain. Yay! Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>